0: Hello, it is Tuesday, June 9th, some great conversation coming for your ear holes. (laughs) If you enjoy this show, please tell a friend, say, hey, you should listen to the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. If you don't enjoy this show, just act like it never fucking happened. All right, Uh, let's get into this thing hashtag this is where i'm at pat take a picture where you're listening to the show got something awesome coming for the end of this quarantine which seems to be near a lot of sports coming back we talk about that life coming back we talk about that in america being better we talk about that let's have a tuesday all right a little bit too much maybe there a little bit too much energy but you get it ladies and gentlemen joining us now is the most electrifying nose <laughs> in sports and entertainment MMA journalist for ESPN the authority on all things human cockfighting ladies and gentlemen Ariel Helwani yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. hello,
2: hello. Yeah, I heard your your ratings were struggling, and you finally had to call in the big guns. It's about time. I mean, this rinky-dink show of yours has been going on for years now, and you. You haven't called in the big guns? Come on, man, come on,
0: where are you at, Pat, where are you at? I'll tell you what, I didn't think we were um, knowledgeable enough to have a real conversation with you at certain times. Now, I feel like I have been completely updated on the human cockfighting world so we can have a great conversation. I was saving you the time of not talking to an idiot, but now that I feel like I know what I'm talking about, the time has come to fruition here.
2: Okay, nice uh, usage of of a term that John McCain Popularized back in, I think, 1997. But no, in all honesty, <laughs> big fan of what you do. I don't
0: know what that I don't know that.
2: Oh, I, I'll, I'll give you the history lesson if you want. But I'm Please a fan. Do. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor.
0: Okay. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Let's talk about it. Conor McGregor. Okay, first of all, The smaller cage, the fights on Saturday night were awesome. I feel like the UFC cards here have been very electric. People have been watching. The knockout by Sugar Show and by Cody was beautiful. And then immediately afterward, the conversation was shifted in a much different direction when Conor McGregor for the third time announces his retirement from the fight game. What is that all about? Is that forever? A lot of people are saying there's no chance that this is anything other than a leverage play by Conor McGregor. accurate
2: yeah i think we'll see conor mcgregor back again you know he's done this twice before i think people are getting a little they're getting a little distracted by the r word and you know as i told his team i wish he didn't use the r word because i think what he's saying is legitimate what he is truly saying is i'm frustrated i want to fight i wanted to fight three times in 2020 i haven't fought three times in four years i had a horrible 2019 i just want to get back to work i'm doing all the right things i'm staying healthy i'm staying out of trouble And you guys can't get me a fight. How is it possible that the biggest draw in the history of this sport can't get a fight? And so he's finally saying enough is enough. I'm frustrated and I'm taking my ball essentially and going home. In the end, I think they'll figure it out. In the end, I think he will come back. But I think it speaks to a larger issue right now in the sport of MMA, which is the top 1% of the sport all of a sudden are revolting. Like you've got four right legitimate up. stars in this sport right now, openly feuding with the UFC. And that's something that we've never seen before.
0: I was wondering, do you think there's a chance that they're all gonna create their own thing? And now I don't know how easy or how hard that would be, especially with licensing and things of that nature. But Floyd Mayweather has shown that, hey, if you take your ball and you go to your own court, you can make a lot of money. I always thought John Jones was maybe the guy that had enough clout at the time at one time where if he was to put on a fight himself a lot of people would watch conor mcgregor definitely has enough clout to do it now you got jorge masvidal also saying like hey i I, this is i want out let me at least get this thing is there any chance dana white is potentially going to run into some competition by these fighters putting on their own fights much like uh floyd mayweather has done and things of that nature
2: the problem is they're all locked into these long-term deals right Um. get sued if they try to do that you know the 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 business of the ufc is a very interesting one because the fighters are deemed independent contractors by the ufc but in reality they're not really treated like independent contractors number one they can't just go out and fight for anyone right now right like if i hire someone to come fix my garage tomorrow i can't tell that person what to wear i can't tell that person what to do wednesday thursday friday i can't tell that person hey this weekend you need to tell me what you're doing what your plans are because we made a business arrangement for you to come fix my garage on tuesday but that's essentially where the ufc fighters are at number one they can't have their own sponsors they have to wear a uniform they can't go fight anywhere they're locked into these exclusive long-term deals they have to literally update an app every day For the United States Anti-Doping Agency to know where they are so that they can go, whether on vacation, whether they're having a child at the hospital, they have to go drug test them. There's no collective bargaining. There's no revenue sharing. They don't have a seat at the table. So there's a lot here that's going on. And at the end of the day, obviously, the fighters want more money. Obviously, they want to get paid more. Obviously, they understand that the window of opportunity in the sport is very small, much like the NFL – but I think they're finally starting to open their eyes and be like, wait a second. In the NBA, they make 50% of the revenue and we make 12 to 18%. Wait a second. They can have their own sponsors. We can? There's a lot going on here that I think a lot of us in the sport have been wondering – when are the fighters finally going to realize that they don't really have the best deal? And perhaps now they're starting to realize that. It would take
0: everybody, though. That's the problem with any of this yeah. thing. You, you think about WWE, they have the same thought as well. And now with uh, UFC, a lot of the conversations are happening. If it's Jorge, if it's Conor, if it's those at the top of the sport that are leading this charge, and they're offering up to take pay cuts, it's going to be hard, though, I think, to get fighters who... And it's been very... Uh, widely known that a lot of these fighters do not live a good life. I mean, they're training at 6 a.m. They're living in like tiny little houses, just trying to make it for their first 10 fights or whatever to make it through. There will always be those fighters that will take any opportunity that the UFC has. So I don't know how you ever get all, I don't know how that would work. Has there ever been a, I know you do a podcast with Cormier, great podcast. Have those conversations ever happened in the locker room amongst fighters? Like, is there ever? Yes.
2: Yeah. H- happens all the time, but here's the problem, twofold. Number one, you just talked about the fighters. There's basically like four levels of fighters in the UFC. There's the top one percent, right? There's the Connors, the Habib, who for the most part over the years have said, "All right, I freaking you know bled and sweat my way to this point. I'm living you know a good life now. I'm making my millions and millions! Come on, guys. A little slow there. Well, Jeez. your delivery
0: was terrible. I, <laughs> you could have gave a little... You know what sorry, I mean? Yeah,
2: That's right. all right. Great
0: work there. That um, was
2: incredible. Thank <laughs> you. So, so they they are in that spot and they don't want to you know they don't want to lose that spot then you have the guys who are you know the next tier champions but aren't making what the top 1% are making they also feel like okay finally i just made it here i'm not going to ruffle feathers then you have the contenders who are working their way up right and they feel like okay i'm going to make it big i'm not making anything right now of note but i'm going to make it big so i don't want to mess this up and then you have the guys who just walk into the ufc who are making 10 and 10 10 to show 10 to win and then all of a sudden they're like oh i'm just happy to be here so you have This almost like these categories here where no one wants to help each other out. And in the past, we have had situations where fighters have spoken out. I mean, back in 2007, Randy Couture teamed up with Mark Cuban to try to change the whole game. It didn't work. What happened? They paid him, and he fought Brock Lesnar. So historically, they'll pay the guy, then he stays quiet, and nothing happens. Could it be this time that these guys are sitting back and saying, wait a second, it's not just about helping me. It's not just about today. I want to help the guys behind me. Who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be the Kurt Flood to help everyone behind me? Because historically, the fighters have been very selfish, and they haven't looked behind them. Maybe it changes now,
0: Oh man. And so you're looking at the people who are at the top of the mountain to do so and they have their hands it's in the, they have their hands in the cookie jar at the time. And it's like you would, it would almost have to be retired fighters Linking up with Prime Fighters and trying to talk about how the road at the beginning should have been easier for all of us. I I feel like if any time would be, it would be right now. But boy, it feels like that's a long shot. Have you learned anything about Fight Island? Is Fight Island, from what I've been told, there's a couple Twitter accounts that think it's in Abu Dhabi. Do you know anything about Fight Island or where it could be or anything of that nature?
2: So I have heard Abu Dhabi that hasn't been confirmed. There is a place in Abu Dhabi called Yaz Island, which I've actually been to. I've been to fights there, and it's not your Ooh. typical island. If that's the place, by the way, and I'm not trying to like be some kind of hotshot here that I've been there. It wasn't the greatest trip of all time, <laughs> but it was literally in the middle of a desert. Like there were, there, there were no beaches. There were no bikinis. There were no palm trees. It was literally in the middle of the desert. And so if this is the place, I think we're about to be very disappointed because we've been talking about this for the past three months or so. And even Dana – Dana White, UFC president Dana White, as of late, has, I think, tried to temper expectations because I think he feels like this is getting out of control. Their plan is for July. Um, They're talking about potentially doing the first event there July 11th, which would have been the next pay-per-view or will be the next pay-per-view, but that one doesn't even have a main event yet. Here we are almost a month out, and there's no main event. They wanted Connor. It doesn't look like he has an opponent. They wanted Masvidal Usman. They're having trouble with Masvidal. It's going to be really interesting to see because you would think for their first show there – you want to come out, you know, guns blazing. You want to come out with, you know, a big name or two. Right now, there's nothing really going on.
0: Fight Island was going to happen during the quarantine, though, if Disney didn't tell Dana no. Do you know anything about that info? Is that accurate statement? Is, is he? Because I don't know how he would have been able to get any fighters to the middle of the desert in the middle of that whole quarantine, which he said was whenever he first started looking into this Fight Island thing.
2: No, I think people got confused. The first show that he wanted to do was April 18th at a place called Tachi Palace in Lamore, California. It's a casino on an Indian reservation where they've held many MMA events in the past. And then in the midst of that, he was talking about trying to do this island thing. And I think people just mixed the two stories up together and thought that the first event was going to be on the (laughs) island. He always said, it's going to take me three to four months to figure out the island and to get the infrastructure going and all that stuff. And now here we are three to four months later. So... He continues to say he'll have news this week, but that was like two weeks ago. So he recently said on Saturday night he'll have news this week. So we'll find out. But for for the like two weeks ago, I started to hear from fighters because when he was talking about this at the beginning, fighters, managers, they never heard about it. But now I'm starting to hear from fighters, hey, I've been offered a fight on Fight Island. But guess what? Even in the contract, even in the negotiations, they're not even telling them where it is. Like they have no idea if this island is in – you know abu dhabi or tahiti or fiji anywhere they have no idea where they're going they just know they're fighting on this quote-unquote fight island
0: what do they mean they can't find connor a fight a fight that connor would want to agree to because i assume there's a lot of people just like connor said like hey when you get to fight connor it's a red panty night and all that stuff you get your biggest payday i would assume there's a lot of people that want to fight connor but there's not a lot of people that connor's like yeah i'll fight that guy like what is the how does that whole negotiation thing go and then jorge masvidal same thing like does he want to fight and they can't fight to fight for him like how does it how does that whole process work
2: okay so they're two completely different um, situations right now with Perfect. Connor he just doesn't have a clear-cut opponent he wants to fight Justin Gaethje who just beat Tony Ferguson but they want to do just up in September and they're telling Connor hey just wait for the winner Connor doesn't want to wait for the winner Connor wants to fight he says give me Gaethje in July and then the winner of that fight will fight Khabib and they're saying no to that then he said all right Give me Anderson Silva at a catchweight. And they're like, nah, we're not really interested in that fight all that much. And he said, all right, give me Masvidal. And they're like, well, no, we're going to do Masvidal at 170. So there isn't a guy and I think it's somewhat of an indictment on the matchmaking. Here you have the biggest star in the history of the sport, the guy you emulated on a national broadcast after hitting a punt like that was 30 yards. It wasn't even all that impressive, but you still did it, which Vince I McMahon. think was really great. Vince was McMahon. I,
0: I, I impersonate Vince McMahon, and it was, no, a, no, no. It was a completion no, Connor, of a pass. It wasn't even a punt, Ariel. Like, <laughs> stick to your little human cockfighting word, okay? We want to talk Listen. football, I'll start talking, okay? You just Connor, talk about your little fight game, okay, Ariel?
2: Connor. Made that popular. Vince, it was very niche. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Connor broke it out into the mainstream. So for me, you were doing the Billy Strut, not the McMahon Strut. All right. Yeah, okay. I in can any event, it. they can't find him an opponent, and I think it's an indictment on the matchmaking. How do you not have you know contender one, two, three, four, five in a queue just waiting to fight this guy? Like how are you having trouble finding this guy an opponent? Then Masvidal is saying, "I fought for the BMF title at Madison Square Garden, this fictitious belt against Nathan Diaz." and you are offering me more to fight Nathan Diaz back in November than you're offering me to fight for the real, actual, undisputed welterweight title against Kamar Usman? How does that make sense? You're offering me what he says is almost double back then. You offered me double back then, and now you're offering me a a, a 50% discount to fight for the BO belt? This doesn't make sense. You need to offer me as much, if not more, than what I fought for in my last fight, and now I'm an even bigger star. That's his issue here. So they're saying, to your point all right, we're going to the next guy. And the next guy is a guy named Gilbert Burns, who is good, but he's just basically new to the game. And he's like, tag me in. I'm ready to go. Like, I'll just fight for anything at this point. And again, to your point, that's why the union is always going to be a tough thing to do, because there's always going to be some guy who's going to say, yeah, I'll just jump in there and do it for cheaper. It's interesting
0: how about conor mcgregor though saying i'll fight this guy now and then because that's not the narrative that i think a lot of people would think a lot of people would think like conor doesn't want to fight or something of that no. nature. but instead it's a complete opposite because he posted that video of him beating up the boss banging it, banging the banging <laughs> the thing that i got in my garage by the way me and conor doing the same workouts no big deal the fact that he retired after releasing that video didn't make any sense to me and now you have floyd mayweather tweeting at him is there a chance that that's the next fight we see conor mcgregor in is a boxing match against floyd mayweather again
2: no because um he is contractually tied to the ufc the ufc has to be on board with that now can they you know get back into business with floyd to make this happen sure i don't know if there's a great demand for this i think people want to see conor at his best and i think conor at his best is fighting in mixed martial arts like it was fun don't get me wrong it was fun for what it was It was fun to see Michael Jordan try out for the White Sox, but then in the end, we all wanted to see him come back to the Bulls. And so I think that that was a fun little thing. But now we want to see him fight. And here you have, again, the last two years were disastrous for Conor McGregor, right? It was a nightmare for him, like just one bad thing after the next that he was doing to himself. Let me make that very clear. He was making mistakes, and now he's on the straight and narrow. Now he's actually doing good things. He's helping out his community, and he's like, put me in there. I want to fight. I want to just get back in there. He promised us three fights in 2020. That was a big deal, and a lot of people are like, nah, he'll get in trouble at some point. He won't come back in the summer, all that, and he's ready to go. He's in great shape, as you've seen on his social media, and they just can't figure it out, and they're telling him, wait. Okay, so what does it mean if you wait? If they do Gaethje versus Khabib in September, the winner of that fight is going to need some time off, right? So now we're talking about, what, Connor returning in December, January, and then he only fights once in 2020? That doesn't make any sense.
0: How do you feel about his shoulder bop that knocks somebody
2: out? uh I thought you were just trying to show off your physique when you just stood up like that. I mean, that obviously,
0: obviously a massive, but, like, we, <laughs> yeah. um, did they- Are you
2: bigger now yeah, than yeah. you were back when you were playing football? Oh, yeah.
0: I'm, like, 255 right now. I was 230 back then.
2: Wow no drug testing and whatnot it helps
0: well it's hard to find believe me I have tried my best I always said when I was in the league soon as I retire I want to let you guys know I'm eating every steroid that you could possibly find I want to see what my body can do turns out you can't just have those conversations like it's very hard to find the plug especially during a quarantine <laughs> from what I've been told so I would definitely for sure but I haven't been able to find him yet so I can only get bigger from this point.
2: You're looking great. You're looking like a young Kurt Henning there with those guns. Mr. Perfect.
0: Henning? Absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, One of the all-time greats.
0: Oh, absolutely. How about him spitting out his gum, smacking the thing, yes. the towel? Oh, yeah, Mr. Perfect's the greatest. Uh, Ariel, I appreciate you, man. It's a fun conversation.
2: Yes, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And, again, keep up the great work, my man.
0: Hey, you too. Just learn a little history. I almost said the <laughs> F word right there. <laughs> but... You know the whole thirty-yard punt. I, by the way, I didn't have those like that. That was just something that didn't happen. That's why I currently have the show that I have, Ariel. You see, oh, okay. you see. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that basement of the UFC complex uh, setup this past weekend—pretty awesome. I, I, why yeah. did why yeah. haven't? Wait a d-
2: second. Did you? Didn't you just say goodbye to me? Now you're continuing the conversation. <laughs> What's going on? This
0: here? is the show. This is the show. Because something hits this me the on, the, okay. on the way out. <laughs> the the basement of the UFC center—that was a good setup. Why was that not that I? I mean smaller cage obviously looked a little bit smaller. But the way it was covered, the way they controlled everything, the fight seemed electric, is that gonna be a move for them going forward, you think, or was that just kind of last so
2: this this ended up being a tremendous move for them. They built that a year ago. For a show that they call Dana White's Contender Series, where basically they bring in prospects, and if you win your fight and look good, then you can get a UFC contract. Well, turns out they really needed this thing in the midst of the pandemic because it's hard to go around and put on events, and now they don't have to pay a site fee, right? Because they own it. It's literally at their headquarters in Las Vegas. It's quaint, and it was essentially built to not have fans there. So it's perfect. So it doesn't feel empty. It doesn't feel. You know, like raw these days, it just feels a little sterile. It oh, feels, yeah. Something seems off about it. Um, they did a really great job of dressing it up, and because it's so quaint, they put in this smaller cage, the 25-foot cage. Which historically, there's data that supports this leads to better fights and more finishes. And I think that's what we're seeing in these <laughs> fights, right? Yes. Well,
0: Cody pulled one from his shin there to knock that guy out at the buzzer. Awesome fights. Awesome conversation with you, ladies and gentlemen. Ariel, how yeah!
3: yeah! are Ariel
0: put some more posters up on the wall there let's put some okay yeah you know just something to think about all right so sorry to interrupt but I need to tell you about the greatest shorts to ever exist okay everybody knows I got big thighs skies out thighs out quad father all these things so finding shorts is not easy It's not easy to find shorts that fit. It's not easy to find things that are comfortable and move with me and have the liner inside that acts as boxer briefs, but is even more comfortable because it's not actually a part of the... You get it. It is bird dogs. Bird dogs are gym shorts with a built-in silky soft inner liner that makes underwear obsolete. Ha! Obsolete! They also make the best pants that I've ever worn. When you put these shorts on, you're going to be like, hey, I understand way back in the day, way back in the day, they tried to make the bathing suits that had the thing that held your kit and caboodle together. They were trying to eliminate underwear so you didn't have to get your underwear wet when you jumped in the pool. Well, bird dogs came along, revolutionized it, and made the most comfortable thing ever. You don't have to put on underwear, and you can wear these shorts in the gym. You can wear them in the pool, and you can even wear them to an office meeting if you have to. They look damn good, and the pants are fantastic as well. Right now you go to BirdDogs.com and enter promo code PAT and they'll throw in a free pair of nunchucks. Yup, you heard it, nunchucks. You'll get an actual murder weapon along with your pair of bird dogs. That's BirdDogs.com, promo code PAT and boom, free pair of nunchucks with your pair of bird dogs. You will not take these things off, I promise you. They are fantastic. I worked out on them today. I'll sleep in a pair tonight. You'll enjoy the hell out of them. BirdDogs.com, promo code PAT. You get a free pair of nunchucks. Hi! Hello, McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. I am Patrick McAfee, sitting to my left in front of a bookshelf, Mr. A.J. Hawk. Yeah! Yeah. 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 A.J. Hawk! A.J. Hawk! Hawk. AJ Hawk!
4: What's up, man? You look tan. Have you been working out outside again?
0: Thank you. I have been outside. (laughs) I hit the pool up a little bit. This weekend, I actually shit out everything that was in my body. So I had like a four pack this morning when I woke up. It was very nice. I'm feeling good. I'm almost to the AJ Hawk level of fitness. Nowhere near it, but I'm trying my absolute best. How was your weekend, sir?
4: Oh, my weekend was good. We had nice weather here. We've gotten somewhat back to normal. My son's had some baseball games. So, yeah, it's it's starting to feel like I'm getting back on track.
0: How was the baseball game? Because it feels like the MLB probably not going to happen. But the fact that your kids are playing, how was the game? Was it nice to see uh, any any good pop times or anything like
4: that? That was a good game. He's played twice now. They've gotten blasted both games. Why do kids think little Mike Hawk
0: stinks at baseball? (laughs) Who? Mike Hawk.
4: They took, on, they took on a couple teams where I knew in warm-ups. I texted my wife. She wasn't there yet. I was like, uh-oh, this is going to be a bloodbath. Just because I could see how the other team's coaches were acting and how they were warming up. And I was right both times. They were both bloodbaths.
0: There were some teams that came off the bus that we played against. When I was at West Virginia, the first time I remember thinking, oh, no, Maryland. We played against Maryland, and they had this whole new Under Armour layout, and they were – Literally a foot and a half taller than every single player that we had. I that was the first time in my life I looked on a it may be Upper Saint Clair, uh, my final football game at Plum High School. Uh, I looked at Upper Saint Clair High School warm up, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a rough one." Sean Lee was on that team. Oh. Uh, there were some other people. They won by fifty or something like that. We didn't even get past half field there for me to do anything in that game. But that Maryland game, I look at them before the game. I'm like, "Holy shit!" But then we end up winning. So it kind of debunked the theory in my head. But then when you get to the NFL, there's some teams that show up. You're like, oh, the people that are scouting for that team and creating that team, they like big motherfuckers. Because there was the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, I think. We played against the Cowboys. And their offensive line was warming up. And they just like kind of jogged by where our guys were. And I was like, oh, man, that is a different level of human there. That is a- For you, I never had to hit these people, ever. I, I knew that whatever I was doing, no matter how big they were coming off the bus, no matter how fast they were, I didn't have to deal with any of that. You, though, is there ever a game where you got there and you looked and you're like, everybody on their team is at least six four at this point. What is the deal? I definitely had situations like that,
4: and it, I thought of the Dallas Cowboys, and I thought of their D-line. I remember their D-line at one point. It was like every guy was six seven and above, I feel like, back in – what, right around 2010 or before then? Who did, They had so many D-linemen that were monsters and so good. Obviously, their offensive line is always really good and really big. But, I mean, I never – it doesn't like – I mean, everybody I played against was bigger than me. So, Wasn't that, that was, didn't really change my outcome.
0: That a boy, AJ. And <laughs> then like Wisconsin or Nebraska? Who normally <laughs> has that massive yeah. Yeah. offensive line? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Wisconsin, was Nebraska, that
4: something – Nebraska back in the day. Like, they were the – the most like physical like intimidating team there was that's what scott Frost is trying to get him back to
0: is there anything that you look at whenever you look at an offensive line and you go Damn, the smallest guy is six foot three, three hundred and fifty. Is there any? Do you even take that into account, or are you just strictly watching how they play and things of that nature?
4: I mean, it, don't, it really only matters how they play. I, the guys, I think I've said it on here before. Like, especially the interior offensive linemen, the toughest ones for me to go against were always the the shorter stature guys that had a wrestling background. Like, they were always at the second level in the blink of an eye, and they were latching onto you. And if they got a hold of you, you were done. So, why Aq Shipley was such a problem
0: for AJ Hawk? Hey, you can move, man. He's got good feet. He's got great hands. He used to look like the Michelin Man, too. He had that... <laughs> you know what I mean? He had that gut on him, and he he would... He would use that because he had to have a little bit of girth because he wasn't as tall as everybody else. But he had such good feet. The guy is a Hall of Famer for his high school basketball ability in the paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer basketball? because of his basketball abilities. AJ or AQ could move there, but that, I think, is the classic guy that was nimble, understood leverage good enough to, or that, that whole thing. There's two different styles of moving humans. And uh, I, I would always... You know, whenever I would have to battle against somebody who was always a little bit bigger than me, and I would have to cover strike them and then shed. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, you're shocking shed. You may have the best shock and shed of any punter that has ever been in the NFL.
0: I'm okay with saying that. Yeah. I, I, I think that is I think film would prove that what you just said right there was accurate. <laughs> I have done that on more than one occasion. Okay. So has any other punter done that on more than one occasion? I I don't think so. No. Yes.
4: Yeah. Yes, I'm sure they've had to.
0: You think they've successfully done that? Was it, uh, was it Huber who got kicked? <laughs> got jump kicked? No, that was Cleveland's punter. His name was Spencer. Spencer.
2: Someone in L, I think.
0: I remember him. That was a bad day for the brand, by the way. Bad, was that, bad.
4: Was that AB who jump kicked him? Yeah, yeah, yeah Spencer yeah. Lanning.
0: It was Spencer Lanning. Good punter, by the way, from South Carolina, I think, if I'm accurate. I don't know. He was a good punter, but that was a bad, bad, bad <laughs> Bad day for the brain. I, I mean, no flag was called either. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't even the refs I mean, looked at it. Called was- called it. Like, what are you going to call? Well, fucking, how about a little bit of uh, misconduct on some unsportsmanship? Yeah. How about something? The guy just stomped on the face of another man. I mean, now, granted, the fact that Spencer didn't do a little bit of a you know, somehow, some way, maybe make the tackle out of it. I mean, that's just a rough, rough day for the brand. (laughs) The fact that we're even showing this right now is very (laughs) upsetting. It was a problem. And for me, I later in the year sent said image to Antonio Brown on Twitter telling him that my family will be at the game, so none of this shit. Okay, please. And he responded, I got you or whatever, which was very nice of him. And then he shook me, and uh, he didn't step on my face. So that was very, very nice of him. I guess
4: that, yeah, it would, they're both embarrassing to happen to you. I mean, it happens to everybody, but I guess I would rather be juked than just kicked directly in my Adam's apple.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. You would rather have the image of you on the ground, like, oh no, as opposed to the
3: ah, just eating it. You know what I mean? When you uh, had him one-on-one with 53 and whatever fraction yards. third,
0: yeah. Football.
3: Yep. Did that? Yes. Did that cross your mind?
0: Yeah, Absolutely. He every every single time I would try to butter up the returner before the game, warm-ups. And by butter up, I just want to talk to him, you know? I want to let them know that they're the best returner I've ever seen. And I think <laughs> more people should see your film because it's the little things that you do that don't get noticed. You know, yeah, can you leave this particular move at home this weekend, boss, at Antonio Brown eighty four, obviously. Yeah. Spencer Lanning, I'll talk to him pretty bad. <laughs> And then there's Antonio about homecoming for PMAC. Yeah, okay, here we go. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of things that unfolded there. But I would always talk to the returner before the game. Because when you punt in warm-ups, you're punting one direction, the other punter normally punting the other direction. If you get there early enough, though, you could see if a punter wants to line up directly next to the other punter and just give a little bit of a... Uh, hey let's do a little ball check here cuz you know what i mean every once in a while if i didn't i saw cyphers did this to me whenever i was young
4: he was checking to see if the ball was deflated or whatever. no
0: no no he was just standing next to me and then i would punt a ball and then just as that one was perfectly landing he would launch one into fucking orbit and then i would have to look at that and then he would stand there and then i had to punt and then he would do it again and i was like oh he's He's fucking with me right now. Like that is exactly what he's doing. Let's go to the other side. Then he would follow you down. You know what I mean? So I, I put that into my bag of tricks once I learned how to kick a ball later. You know what I mean? If there's a guy who potentially is on his way up, I would like to see what happens here. Let's stand right next to each other. Leckler and I did this one Thursday night game. It was quite a moment, actually. Very cool moment between me and Leckler. But normally, other than those moments there where you're just bombing balls next to each other, you're punting opposite way. So the returner would be around me. You know, heads up, ball coming in, I would have to watch. They'd catch a ball right in front of me, they'd throw it back, and that's when I would start. You know, that's when I would, oh, good grab. I wouldn't have, (laughs) I would have dropped that one. It was so good, you know what I mean? Like, just, oh, thanks. And then some people catch on to my game. You know what I mean? They knew, oh. Julian Edelman, for instance, was the first one who was not about having a fucking conversation with me on the field at all. He was standing less than a foot away from me for probably four or five punts or whatever. He caught him like, damn, little white guy's out here crushing it, man. Like, you're so good. Didn't even crack a smile, okay? Didn't even move. Didn't even talk to me. He took one back to the house, and then I had to tackle him on the next one. And then the next game, we had a chance to conversate. But I always wanted to let him know. Like, hey, if we get in the open field, congratulations, you've done your job, you're really good. Just shake the shit out of me. Don't, don't run me over. Like, I, I need not be run over. Just shake me, it'll be easy, it'll be good for both of us, just don't run me over. Josh Cribs, I had that conversation with him. He returns a kickoff. Down the sideline, and he tries to get to the edge or whatever. I tackle him. And if you see after the tackle, he stands up, looks me in my face, and taps me on a helmet. And he said, I should have tried to run you over. And I was like, <laughs> I, I'm thankful you did it, pal. And then my teammates all come running in. So I was always politicking not to get my face stepped on, which I think Spencer should have done. And also, all the other punters from this point forward should also be pitching because that's a bad day for the brand when somebody's a returner ends up on top of the punter that's just not good
4: especially in the age of social media Ugh. like the, the amount of attention that it gets but i'm curious when you were when you would stand next to punters and try to intimidate the guy you know by bombing punts next to him to let him know like hey i'm gonna be doing this all day i've been doing it in the league for a long time yeah bud. welcome like, to the league, hey
0: buddy. pal hey. hey my first rodeo, pal hey pal <laughs> welcome to the fucking men's club hey <laughs> <Okay>, Bob. <laughs> welcome to the men's club buddy you know what I mean? Yeah. Did uh, you ever
4: tire yourself out by trying to intimidate a guy pregame?
0: No, I kicked so much. Tom Telesco, the, now the general manager of the Chargers, he said the reason, he was the one that found me in the uh, Monarchy Car Care Bowl uh, warm-up. Mm-hmm. He said that he told Bill Polian, because they were there to look at Hakeem Nicks. I would assume Pat White, uh, I forget who else was there for us, but there was a lot of big-name players. He was there scouting. He got there early, watched my warm-up. And he told Bill Polian that he didn't know if I was a punter or not, but there was a guy that kicked for like an hour and a half before the game and then kicked the entire thing. And that's just, I was always a high rep guy. I I needed a lot of volume. Now, granted, did that end up hurting me? Absolutely. But I was always, uh, I like to see the ball fly. I, I like to see the ball go. You know what I mean?
4: inside the state you want to see what it looks like in the stadium right everywhere
0: if it's a ball i want to see that thing fucking fly and i would much rather have the wind at my back too i understand that with the wind in your face if it wasn't for the wind in my face i wouldn't be able to fly that's like the comment people make or whatever wait first off
4: who makes that comment other than a
0: pilot well they use it in punting too they say because if you punt into the wind it's more likely to turn over and it'll hold it up and shit like that i'm like well give me the wind in my back i'll fly a lot fucking faster you know what i mean just put that wind in my back and let's go but i was a big you know confidence guy let's see this thing let's give these people a show so i never would wear myself out a lot of you know there's some teams that do tackling drills before the game they do like real live hitting and stuff
4: high school or nfl
0: NFL, you see those guys on the sideline. They do the thud drill or whatever, and then some go
4: oh, harder. yeah. Linebackers always like, – yeah, most defensive positions will absolutely do some kind of form tackle drill. And I guess it depends on your position, Coach, on how in, how intense that, that initial tackle drill is. Do you need that? People say that they no, need the – I never fr- needed that. Never. All I would do is try to time it up so I would be tackling – like, first off, you got to be the guy being getting tackled. So you got to fake like you're carrying a ball in your hand and run at an angle and they're going to try just to work on like a, a thud angle tackle the problem is some guys especially young guys get really juiced up in warm-ups 90 minutes before the game and they're going to really pop you in the chin or something and i'm like like nothing made me more mad than when i would get <laughs> caught in the jaw or something during a, a tackle drill before this is pre pre-game it's not even we haven't even done our our team period yet in warm-ups and so i knew who to stay away from but it always seemed to happen a couple of times throughout the year where I would just get blasted in the head by a guy. And he'd have no, no awareness. I couldn't even blame him, really. I'm like, I get it. Like, you're excited. Okay, Cool.
0: But I would feel like if I'm going against AJ, our starting Mike, bad, yeah. maybe I shouldn't give him a pop in that massive. Now, granted, he's probably trying to hit you in the chest, but that jaw of yours is fucking hanging down. Ten feet. I don't know what you want from the guy, but aren't you supposed to run and jump? Isn't like the classic move: run, jump, give him something to hit, and then it looks good too because they lift you up. You you were like, I ain't fucking jumping here. Okay, let's get this done with. Was that what you did?
4: That's what I would try to, try to do, and they would always want to drive their feet sometimes. They're like, all right, man, just, just get a quick pop and wrap. It. Let's just keep it moving. Let's get the ball drills. I want to catch some balls. I don't need to bang my head in warm-ups and waste any of these shots I need for the game. Who
0: are the, I've heard players say, though, they need that first big hit to like… In the game. I, didn't, I
4: In the game, it does feel good to get like a nice shot, even a good stalemate with a guy with a fullback or someone early on to kind of settle you in and make you feel good for the game. In warmups, I never needed that. Some guys definitely do need that in warmups and they want it. I was never that guy.
0: Me neither. I was okay not taking any hits.
4: You didn't do any tackle drills?
0: No, but my first ball, I always wanted to have the opening kickoff though. Why, so you get on TV more? That's, that's a, definitely a benefit of it. But for me, <laughs> I just wanted hurt. to see me hit a ball. I wanted to see the ball, you, you know what I mean? Like I just wanted to see the ball go. If my first one, it was always an interesting thing. I would assume you could compare it to like a middle relief pitcher or something like that, who has to come in and maybe there's three people on base or whatever, and it's like a terrible situation. But you got to be ready to go. For me, if I'm if I'm asked to go out there and the first time I'm touching the ball in the game is either like a backed up, you're on like the back of the end zone, or you got to pooch it like 41 yards. Like I would always like to at least see the ball fly one time before the game. So the opening kickoff, I was a big fan of, but. It's not good for strategy in the game to have the opening kickoff. So there was one year where we had a terrible coin flip caller, I forget who it was. They were just bad, I don't know how you get so unlucky. We had opening kickoffs basically every single game. And it was like, oh, this, I had like my best year then because it was like, you just get right into it as opposed to having to run out there and be like, oh fuck, you missed this. Probably gonna be at least three points the other direction. You're in a bad
3: spot.
4: Would you guys, uh, in, when you were in Indy, did you guys defer if you won the toss?
0: It depended on who was playing quarterback, depending on the situation, you know what I mean? I I, th- I think I think with Andrew, we always won the ball in the second half. I don't know. I never made those decisions. I always thought I should, but I never did. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, I always thought I shouldn't. It usually comes from the head coach, whether you defer or you take the ball.
0: Now, the direction we kick in the second half, though, was a decision I was a part of.
4: Yeah, well, you should be.
0: Yeah, well, Vinatieri was making the real decision. I was there trying to you know, tell him, I think we should do this because, boy, the ball's flying that way, and I don't think our offense is going to figure it out. So maybe third quarter. <laughs> you want to send up
4: to where, where you're kicking in the fourth quarter with the wind at your back?
0: Well, Vinny would always obviously want the win at his back in the fourth quarter because that makes sense if it was a close game and it's a long-range field goal. But for me, if we're down fourth quarter not punting a lot, so I don't really give a fuck. You know what I mean? So I was always politicking. Hey, can we get the win maybe in the third quarter? Because I got a lot of incentives here, Vinny. You've been in the league a long time. There's still a lot of... Maybe we do that. And then the conversation was always like, probably going to be a close one though, so might need that win in the fourth quarter maybe so we could... Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, got it, okay. Yeah, I'll kick off into this gale force fucking wind (laughs) right here. You got it. And then whenever we stumble out of half, which we always do, I'll punt into this tornado. So don't you worry about it, Vinny. I'll take care of it because at the end we might have a chance. We might – well, I'll tell you what. If I hit a four-yard punt into this wind in the third quarter, probably going to fuck us a little bit in the fourth quarter. Something to think about. Hurt the chances a little bit. If I was your
4: head coach, Pat, and I I would – I think I would have learned early on in my head coaching career – Maybe I don't ask Pat where he wants to punt in the second half.
0: I, I would always give the
4: full Ryan. Take, you would probably take like two minutes of your head coach's time when he's trying to get the ball. Like he's trying to coach his professional sports team <laughs> worth over a billion dollars. And he's just trying to hold on to his job. And in the 200 support people around him, he's trying to keep their jobs safe. And he's got to listen to you in his face, explaining like the wind whirls well, in this facility. and I'll how tell everything's you what, bad. Chuck.
0: I'll tell you what, Chuck. I thought we wanted to go that way most of the first half, but now that I'm out here a little bit, Vinny, you might be, you, you agree. We should fucking go this way. I think Vinny, do you not know Vinny says no. Well, he obviously wants it in the fourth quarter, Chuck, but I, to be honest, I think either way is good. And then Chuck will go, well, which way you, which way are we? I'm like, you tell me. It's like, we'll go that way. Not the way I would have picked, but you got it. And I jog away. Just such an... I didn't even think about Chuck has so much other shit going on. Jim Caldwell's got so much other shit going on. And there I am like, well, I mean, yeah, tomato, tomato here, honestly. (laughs) But the refs would ask me. So, like, the refs would. they go, Pat, which way? So it was... I mean, (laughs) to be fair to me, I, I mean, I could have on multiple occasions made a decision strictly for me, and I did not so stand up guy thank you yes doesn't get talked about enough doesn't get talked
4: about rust belt stand-up guy Mm.
0: the refs though coming out and asking me which direction because i'm the kickoff guy so whenever we're warming up at halftime or whatever and the other team would come out too the other kickers would be like which way are you kicking okay and there's because you know they need to know which way to warm up as well they would like to just know it's a little kosher to let them know boy there was a couple times where i told the other team and the ref that i didn't know and they thought I was lying. I was like, I literally don't know. I have no idea. And then the rest would be like, well, are we picking the direction? I was like, no, 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 we'll pick it. And then that was when I would have to have the four-minute conversations with Chuck and things of that nature. I mean, there's a lot that goes on, people don't realize. A lot that goes on.
4: So much that goes on. Are you pumped? Isn't the AFL coming back?
0: June 11th, pal. Yeah! Awesome! Collingwood Here Mag- we go! Magpies taking on the Richmond Tigers. The only issue with this entire thing of me being a Collingwood Magpies diehard Lifelong fan is that the only American that has ever had success in the AFL? Mason Cox, Mr. Coxzilla, who's six foot ten, standing there on the right. Wow. He's out because no. he's injured. No. no, so I've been so pumped about this AFL return Shit. and so excited about everything that could happen on June 11th because of this one man named Coxzilla, and he's injured. He will get cleared. He's just not currently cleared, and I can't wait for that game to get started. We have Coxzilla joining us. I believe Wednesday morning. Here Fox we go. Saturday, go. Right. Let's go from Australia.
4: He's wait. Where is he from originally?
0: Texas played uh, college basketball at Oklahoma State. He's self admittedly sucked at basketball. <laughs> Then he grew up playing soccer. He had a growth spurt, so he found out about Aussie rules football. He goes to L.A. for a camp, and then he gets sent over to Australia. He's been in the Collingwood team for like five years now or something of that nature, and he's a stud. Like, he's a good player. We don't just have an American that's over there just kind of half-assing him. He is a good player over there, and he's the first real successful American in the AFL's history. And I was excited because they, I think they put Collingwood – versus richmond strictly because of us being such a big Coxzilla fan yeah. as the mm-hmm. first game and now Coxzilla's out so i'll still pull for the magpies but there's a guy named dustin martin yep on the richmond tigers old dusty he's exactly like you middle finger towards the referees i mean he's a rust belt kind of guy over in australia we're off for a good one june 11th 5:30 a.m fox sports one there's your guy aj are you gonna actually watch some golf now that it's coming back too PGA, the Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth, Texas starts on June 11th as well. Sports are starting to pick back up here. Let's get to it. A lot of gambling. I'll tell you who's going to win the Charles Schwab Challenge. It's going to be phil mickelson wow. uh, phil mickelson's gonna <laughs> win wow. the charles schwab challenge i don't know if brooks kapka brooks kapka probably a lot of people's thoughts maybe dustin johnson a lot of people's thoughts but after losing the tiger and peyton i think phil mickelson and his big ass calves are gonna have a little something to prove that launches on june 11th i'm pumped the pga's back pumped the AFL's back pumped sports seem to be coming back aj
4: yeah i so saw our guy uh jeff Passen. Talking about the Major League Baseball's newest proposal, what? How many seventy-eight games or something was the mm-hmm. latest? That
0: wasn't the um, that wasn't the official proposal. It feels was like. From, was this from the league or from the the union? That was from the league. So Jet Passen is our inside guy for the MLB. I did text him to come on this show right now. By the way, oh. I texted him at 1220 asking if he would join us because there's a lot to unfold. During our show this morning, there was like seven different opinions being tossed out there by different insiders who were having their information shared to them by varying people. So first, uh, Carl Ravitch came out and said, hey, the MLB is ready to propose a 75% prorated salaries, uh, only 70 games or whatever it is. This is a step in the right direction, was his wording the way he released it. So we were like, okay, here we go. Step in the right direction. Yeah. And then literally as soon as we got done celebrating the baseball is going to figure it out, just like Trevor Bauer said, Bob Nightingale comes from the USA Network. Elbow drop off the top. He's like, players hate this. They think it actually is a step backwards in the entire process now jet passing's coming out saying how it's gonna have to happen is they're gonna have to meet in the middle a little bit it feels like the mlb and the mlbpa are still miles apart but boy there's a lot of noise around it right now mr hawk
4: hey so this was it bob nightingale is was he from the usa network or usa today
0: uh usa today Did i say usa <laughs> network that's um, on me yeah that's on me he's also a he, bbw Where with what? He's a BBW. I love my girls. Explain what that is. He's big big baseball writers. (laughs) Big baseball writer. Okay. He's part of the BBWAA, right? Yeah,
3: Baseball Writers uh, Association of America. So this
0: guy knows his baseball, Mr. Nightingale. He's USA Today Network on the internet. Uh, But yeah, he's he was quite a negative Nance to everything we thought was happening to the MLB.
4: It's going to happen though, right? Like they're
0: gonna, It seems like they're going to make something work. I, I'm not sure. Jet Passon said that he feels as if what could be a possible outcome and seeming more likelier is that the owners just say, hey, here's a 48-game schedule. You're either going to do it or you're not because this is going to save us $10 million a pop per team. We're going to lose so much money, but it won't be as much money. And basically saying you either do it or you get the hell out. And that's going to call for players like me to come scab that motherfucker. Scab. Yeah. It Here we go. All right now. You go ahead and get it now. Go ahead and get it. Oh, he's,
3: oh, he's
1: gone. Safe. Excellent drag bunt.
0: Thank you. That's the thing about me going to the left side of the plate. Becoming a Mm lefty. My drag bunt game is going to be unstoppable. Wait till fucking Trevor Power Hour or his his replacement, whoever it is, catches my drag. I mean, I'm going to. Like Ichiro. Damn right. Ichiro. It does seem very plausible
4: that if the union and the league can't work out a deal, like within the next, let's say, five days, that they don't. This doesn't happen that they're going to be able to find a way to get enough scabs like you and possibly myself, maybe. I'll play center. Oh, you going to play? Oh. To find a full league of scabs and get them all cleared, get everything good to go, especially with the COVID protocols. It seems like that is very plausible. That could happen in the next five to ten days. Yeah. They can field, field. – a whole oh. Major League Baseball, yes. the whole league they oh, can yeah. fill all the rosters.
0: Me and the boys been taking BP downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every day. I mean, there's an Every entire crew day. of people down there taking BP. I mean, I mean. Downtown. You got a bunch of batty cages downtown? Mm-hmm. I don't need them whenever you're just hitting fucking dingers. Yeah. Right? You <laughs> See ya. You know what I mean? And they don't even have the little net in front of the pitchers because they know I ain't going there. I'm going way over their heads. <laughs> Watch out, satellites. You know what
4: I mean? Mm-hmm. Watch out.
0: Man. I hope it happens. You were saying that there's no chance of this happening in the next five to 10 days. I mean, there's
4: just there's a lot of logistics, a lot of things to get figured out, a lot of people to contact and get them over there to try to steal the, the league. <laughs>
0: That's no fun. I, I thought I was on the Yankees already. I was, I was ready to be because I'm not going to play for the bum ass. Is Russ going to play? Me and Russell oh, Wilson yeah, will yeah, be on oh, yeah. oh, the New York Yankees yeah, wearing definitely. the pinstripes. The issue is, many people would think I maybe play for the bum ass Pirates, but I ain't doing it. I'm not going to play for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I hope no scabs. Choose to play for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I hope the only team Thank you. that can't field a team is the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's what how I do think. you turn on them? How do you turn on your hometown team? I, I I've been had that. Okay, <laughs> I, I've been had the turn on the Pittsburgh Pirates. They stink. They don't care to win. They spit in the faces of the entire city of Pittsburgh and in Pittsburgh's incredible fanhood. Whenever they were good there, accidentally, they brought in McCutcheon, a couple other players got very good. They were like, oh, fuck, we have a no-. Pittsburgh packed out PNC Park. PNC Park. Noted beautiful ballpark. Noted beautiful, beautiful. everybody loves it. We used to go there just because it was a nice ballpark, but everybody expected to lose. So if they even won, it was like a celebration. It was like, here we go. They finally get good at baseball. Playoff run, place is packed out. Yinzers are coming out from everywhere, through the tunnels, out of the hills. Yinzers are like bucko, baseball's back. And then what do they do? Too good, get fucking rid of everybody. Mm -hmm. Can't spend this much money, even though the city loves it and wants it to be better. We can't do it. That's when the full turn happened on the Pittsburgh Pirates because even though they stunk for 20 years and were trying to lose for 20 years, it was like, okay, you got good accidentally. Now that this has kind of just fallen in your lap and we've been selling things out, let's go for it. And they just couldn't do it. So even when they accidentally succeed, they fuck it up. And that's why I hate them. That's
4: understandable. I grew up a Cincinnati Reds fan. I haven't jumped off the bandwagon for the Reds. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I watch every game. But if they're good, if they become good again, I'll tune in a little bit.
0: They got Trevor Bauer on that team.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. We didn't turn on the Pirates, AJ. They turned on us.
0: Mm. See that? That's the difference.
4: So you're upset. At, you're not upset at the players. You're upset at the, the ownership and, and the, the people up top.
0: Well, the players stink, too. I, I guess <laughs> and that's kind of the problem, you know, is – I mean, Jason Kendall used to have pop oh, time faster than anybody oh, else in the MLB. Now, now, I can't even tell you one – I can't even tell you one couldn't even tell you one player. Felipe Vasquez. Are you just reading the roster over there? Yeah. What? Josh Bell. Oh, Josh Bell. Josh Big Bell. bat. Yeah. Good oh, yeah, He's good. Good. He's, like he's he's good. Archer. Yeah. Jason Kendall. Yeah. Bring him back. Kevin Newman.
4: Bobby Bonilla. Barry Bonds. See? Oh, Barry. See, that
0: is yeah. so long ago. Jason Kendall was post Barry Bonds. Still good. Barry Bonds and them were so long ago whenever they were good at baseball. Nate oh, oh I hate them. But MLB yeah. and MLBPA are miles apart from becoming uh, on an agreement. No. I don't know if they're miles apart now. They are. they are. They are. It's even worse. Whenever we thought it was getting better, the MLBPA came out and said, no, this is only worse. It's like, I don't know what either of them want. I honestly have no idea.
4: 25% prorated share like that. That's better than what they're, the league's
0: original offer, though, right? Well, the players said it was a step in the, back, uh, the opposite direction. I don't know how or why, but this is what the players said. I, I, don't think, I think the issue is the MLB will float proposals out into public that haven't been officially offered to the players. So I think like there are some ideas that get sent out, like, oh, what if we do this? And they just see what the the fans think, and then if it's a good reaction, they're like, all right, bingo, let's put this on a proposal, send it over to the players. Players are now bad if they disagree with that because the fans liked it. I think that not only happens in all sports collective bargaining, but I think that's happening currently as well.
4: Oh, I mean, I, and I get it. I understand. It's hard to say, like oh, how are you going to say you're making – a prorated salary and you're only getting nine million dollars this year or whatever and people are saying like I get why you can't like you're not going to feel bad for those players but at the same time like the players know what they're worth they know what their contract says they don't want it sure they understand what the times we're living in but they still want like a a fair shake at this and they feel like the owners are are getting like the better of them probably right now who knows Greedy,
0: greedy corporate fat cats that's right. Yep. Ain't that right, high. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems too like uh, the players. Like obviously, the money is a big deal, but they want to play as many games as
4: possible, and the MLB is very content. That, why obviously. is that? Is that for stats and for everything else? I or think why? so. Yeah, I think and just, and game, checks. game checks, game yeah, checks, yeah. right? And yeah. it just it impacts a lot of guys' futures. You know, I mean, if you're only playing forty games, like I said on the radio show, you know, if you're a starting pitcher, you're only getting like four starts, five starts, and a normal year you're getting like thirty. Like that's. Greatly impacting the rest of your career
0: and what if you start out slow What if you start out slow and you have two and two and three record or whatever you're completely screwed you got no shot yeah and
4: what if you're what if you're on a contract year too
0: oh well free agency or something going on free agency too that's getting tossed around there but it feels like baseball is far apart
4: man i don't know i i figured they got to find a way to make it happen golf is coming back i know they announced now, too, that the Memorial Tournament here in Columbus is allowed to have some fans. I don't know how many there will be, but I guess they, the, the four play, there's four tournaments that happen in Ohio or courses that are having weeks. some kind of events, and they wrote, it, they wrote letters to DeWine, the governor, and he okayed it. Is, it. is it in Columbus? Yeah, Dublin, the Memorial Tournament. Now it's two. It's back-to-back back weeks. They're having a, they took the John Deere that oh, got canceled in every two in a row.
0: You got to rent your house. Didn't you put that up on the market already on the show one time? You said, "Hey, if anybody yeah, would we like talked to talk about it, of course." How much would that be to rent your house?
4: Depends who wants to rent it. Can we rent it? Well, it was
0: me and the boys here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh
4: yeah, oh, yeah you got, uh, twenty-eight thousand a week. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not discount. bad. It's not
3: bad. You'll
4: use every bedroom. Like, there's going to be a lot of laundry we're going to have to do afterwards. Who knows the damage that you do? No. Well, you have like twelve bedrooms, right? No, eighteen. Like you guys playing, can bunk up. You can share. We got bunk beds in one room. You can hold on, share.
0: hold on. I got some negotiation here, though. Love bunk beds. The second tournament Sunday, the final Sunday. I would like until Tuesday to check out. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, that happens.
0: Yeah, late Is that a part of this? Those are the terms.
4: Those yeah, we'll days. see if the numbers add up. So fifty six thousand. I went for so sixteen
0: maybe. days. Fifty six thousand bucks. I went sixteen days.
4: <laughs> you make it. A, you make it and even 80K, you can have that Tuesday checkout.
0: Ooh, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, this this is the MLB and the MLBPA. But this you
4: gotta is- pay cash too, and we're gonna say this is all a joke. You have to give me a duffel bag full of cash because I don't wanna even get taxed on it. This <laughs> is the MLB
0: and the MLBPA. Look at you just moving the goalposts here. You said it was 28 grand a week, okay? I just asked for two extra days out of the goodness of your heart because we're probably going to be hungover. Yep. We've just done two mm-hmm. weeks of golf. We're okay, We're going to play golf too. We're going to yeah, golf probably. now at this point. We're tired. We'd like to lay up for a day maybe and not be so focused on golf. We want that day plus the next day, 16 days. Your price, 28000 a week, 56000 16 days.
2: What's the continental breakfast like?
0: Yeah, do we have breakfast? Do we have uh, you have a chef there, right? Lit
4: full-time chef? Yeah, Uber, Uber Eats uh, makes it out here so you can order stuff every morning. What uh, about Chef Hawk? We'll get Your account? I'm out of town. I wouldn't I would never rent it if I was going to be in town.
3: What do you mean? You don't want to stay with us?
4: That's
3: <laughs> weird. We just learned a lot.
4: You guys could come. You, I, I would let you guys. Come. I wouldn't let you come rent my house when I'm not here. But if you guys want to come bunk up with myself and my family, we'll let you do it. We'll, my wife will cook great breakfast. It'll be fun. Anytime. you time. Gotta give me a couple days notice. All right, I'll be there see on Friday. Say, right? Right. End of the week. Can't wait, wait to see. Hey, right, get a bunk on, ready. Go back. Go back for a second, Pat. You said. <laughs> Where? You, you want a late checkout on Tuesday instead of Sunday? And your reasoning is you're hungover, you got all this stuff. You need a, we need a day to lay up and put our feet up, pal. Because we don't a day that we're not so focused on golf because the previous fourteen days you're so focused yeah, on golf. You're yeah. just so worn out. You need an extra day.
3: We're gonna need to use the neighbor's pool. This too. is
0: negotiation, pal. Okay? These are the things that you don't think about because you're a greedy corporate fat cat that I'm trying to look out for me and my guy's best interests. This you. is Thank negotiation.
4: You. Sign the deal. You're a good boss. I agree. You're, you're looking out for your guys. Like mm-hmm. I said, 80K even in a duffel bag, it's
2: yours. A couple complimentary cigars for the boys, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. A you have a Take some
4: of the humidor downstairs.
0: <sighs> no, not the one upstairs, though, huh? That's yeah. I'm oh, not the VIP one. I mean, what those are, are we doing? Those are, my,
4: those are up here for me. <laughs> And lock them down hey we
0: want fingerprint access into this little studio fucking area too you Can't get in. This, there's a code for this one you can't get in here well now. then we'll deduct six grand a week then because that's part of the house <laughs> yeah. so it's 22 grand all of a sudden 44 grand we get till tuesday look at this here we go perfect deal. this is negotiation deal. aj this you're getting 40 grand now you're getting 35 grand wow. for 16 days of you just not having to use your house look we're taking but
4: I have to pay to stay somewhere else like I don't want to just have another house for free I can stay in go to Jordy's chopper, chopper. yeah
0: chopper. Hey, you your your pistols? Pistols? Wow.
4: yeah go to Jordy's make the 13 hour drive to Kansas <laughs> <laughs> good idea <laughs> we be sweet then they're like oh hey Jordy and his wife hey you guys are back what what do we owe the pleasure to oh no 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 big deal you know we just want to come hang out for 16 days because <laughs> I let uh, a group of dudes yeah. rent the house so, plenty of space on the farm plenty look at that yeah why don't you guys go to jordy's there's not a golf tournament there <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. we're focused on golf yeah you guys are ultra focused yep. on golf seriously that's yeah. right we would also like passes oh, yeah, to the yeah. golf that's tournament Tough
4: with the, the limited passes they're giving for this tournament it's gonna be a tough one
0: no yeah. that comes with the house you're a buckeye
4: legend good
3: luck and get some passes yeah.
4: the week one the first tournament they're having too, the one that they added um there's no fans for that one, uh, so no no well, pass. For well, that. media, what but about you know media? it is a good. Think of the PGA, Pat. Think what they did. The John Deere, whenever that was supposed to happen, that got canceled. Mm-hmm. So I think it's Rocket Mortgage is the sponsor. They, the Memorial here at Mirfield said, "Hey, come join us." So now the, there's a lot of the tour pros are playing both events. So. They're just staying here for two weeks, so it makes it it much safer. They're not flying, then flying out somewhere, home, then back, so they're all kind of staying here in one spot. There's no reason for them to leave if you're playing both tournaments, so it makes it safer, and you get two tournaments. That's what we're trying to do. You see? As fans of the tournament?
0: Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Journalists. That's what we're trying to do. Okay. What if Columbus gets the NHL as well?
2: It's possible. Oh. Which
0: is possible. So Columbus, Ohio could potentially have two golf tournaments, back-to-back weeks, big weeks, which I think Tiger will be playing in. He's not playing this weekend, which is a bummer, an absolute devastating bummer. Mm-hmm. Why would he not golf after a heater of a round with payday I mean, come on, Tiger. Tiger can win every golf tournament he wants to win at this point with how he's playing. He's choosing not to. But Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, will have two golf tournaments back to back. Do you call it a tournament or a tournament? Tournament. Okay.
4: So, God, still
0: torn on this entire thing.
4: Do you, like? It's a East Coast thing, I feel like, to say tournament.
0: I always said tournament growing up, and then when I got out here, I got bullied so bad for saying it. I changed to tournament, and it still sounds weird every time it comes out of my mouth. But two tournaments, back-to-back week in Columbus, Ohio, then potentially also being one of the hub cities for the NHL. Columbus, Ohio could be the epicenter of sports coming out of this quarantine. That's got to feel pretty good knowing that we got a house out there.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's got and it definitely drives the price up too for that house. I'm well, glad uh, you mentioned that to me oh, so that it's yeah. gonna go up. I gotta
0: rethink my numbers. No, really, no. No, you're I was talking uh, about us covering these things, but if you would like to not be there, I mean that's okay well, with us.
4: During the, the two the golf
0: tournaments, I'm I'm gonna be gone. How about this? Be- we'll buy you a couple books too. So you can Ooh. put more books mm-hmm. on that yeah, bookshelf. Yeah. So you can really be a more astute oh, yeah. scholar.
4: Mm-hmm. You won't, But even if I was in town, we wouldn't get to hang
2: out because you're
4: going to be so focused on golf, like you said. We wouldn't even be able to have a conversation. Problem.
2: Hey, the gall on this guy. It's weird that Dude. none of those books have words. To try and gouge us during a pandemic.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A first round Small draft pick Disney, too. it Fifth yeah. pick overall. Yeah. yeah.
2: You're trying to get how
0: many million? People? Seventy million. You're trying guaranteed? to get six people to move out of a house that we built. A hundred million dollars guaranteed. He got his <laughs> yeah. coming yeah. out of college,
4: give or take. That was ooh, a lot of money. <laughs> Here we
0: are. And this is why it happens, because he's trying to gauge us on some more money mm-hmm. for his house that he already has. Unbelievable. How's that? How's our, um,
4: have we got our yacht set up for Super Bowl next year?
0: Um, yacht Week has been a conversation that has been on hold, yeah. uh, but we'll get right back into it. <laughs> I did find <laughs> yeah. a website. We did. We found an actual yacht in Tampa yeah. that rents out. Mm. So- We're actually looking into Train Week, AJ. Yeah.
4: how do you about AJ's.
0: trains? Dude.
4: Wait in, for the Super Bowl? No, 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 no. no, no. Lifestyle
0: <laughs> as a lifestyle.
4: We're gonna, you're gonna live on a train. Well, it's luxury.
0: You see, I don't know how, I don't know how much time we have. But where does this train take us? <laughs> okay, uh,
3: everywhere, anywhere, kind so, yeah. nice of well, everywhere. Pick a place, coast to coast, baby. Goes yep.
0: very slow. So, Blackout Tuesday was a moment of inflection for everybody. You know, yeah. kind of learn a little bit more. Maybe if you're ignorant to something, how do you learn about it a little bit more? How can we help potentially? And the idea we landed on was, uh, so there's only 80 train owners in the history of this country, 80. So what we thought we could do is become the 81st train owners. And through this process, we learned that there's a guy named Patrick Henry who owns a lot of trains. The Amtrak really has the entire business in a monopoly, but what we thought we could do buy a couple of our own train cars. Okay, everybody gets their own train car. Mm -hmm. It's your room. We'll buy a train car that is a studio, and we'll go town to town, and we'll introduce (laughs) these tiny towns that have never met maybe somebody from somewhere else. We'll do interviews, we'll do town halls, and we'll live in this train for a couple months while we bounce around Mm -hmm. on the back of Amtrak trains, which is the only way you can travel at this point because you can't just go to your own destination because Amtrak owns the tracks and the trains that you'll have to get pulled upon. And this was a real idea that happened. We had a sponsor already happen. Oh, yeah. We already talked to Patrick Henry on numerous occasions. We were going to buy trains. We are going to set up the Connecting America Tour via the Silver Bullet Train yep. brought to you by Coors Light. Uh, this was what we did on Blackout Tuesday, and we thought that was how we could connect America again to learn about each other and go on the other side. Turns out the logistics of owning a train quite a kick in the dick if you really look into it. Yeah, Patrick Henry has not gotten back to me, so he
4: may have kicked the can last week, but I think there's a chance that he gives me his train.
0: Very old community in the train community. If Patrick Henry did die, we would then be the 80th mm-hmm. train owner alive. <laughs> Bingo. Which is something to think about. But yeah, we were... I mean, we're talking, this conversation started early in the day. Mm-hmm. Other okay, conversations...
4: Okay. I hate to cut you off. But I got okay, doesn't seem very efficient. Multiple months on a train. You're Thank not gonna make you. it, first off, we
0: know that. Trains are big, bro, they have this dome. Hey, they, that's gonna you yeah. haven't have seen coach, the
4: luxury cars. They have coach hey, cars, you, you they have better, business
0: cars, they have dome cars. Yeah. Oh, get in the
4: dome gonna, First off, in your train, in, in your personal room, you're gonna need a box fan and a window to ventilate. We know that. I don't think that's, I don't think vitamins the dome. are allowed. No. Yeah, open the dome. The dome, there's a dome top. Okay. Well, let me just throw this one out there then, slop. since it seems like it's difficult and you haven't really gotten through to the guy who's dead who owns all the trains. (laughs) How about you rent a couple tour buses and you drive around and you can actually get to places?
0: can't walk on tour buses. When tour buses are moving, it actually stinks because when they're shut, you have no room. Your legs are literally Mm -hmm. on top of each other. Look at the train car, how much space it has while you're traveling across these tiny little towns in america Gorgeous. where you have to stop at 15 of them to get to one town that's probably <laughs> two hours away you you have a chance to move and live that's what i would like to do i'd like to move and live the buses they just don't have enough room to do anything mm-hmm. there's you're stuck in the back so you might as well just put yourself in a in a jail cell and move it down there's the road traffic don't have to deal with traffic yeah. on the train no tracks. traffic on the train track uh-huh. the no
3: no
4: you also have only certain areas you can get to that have train tracks.
0: Good news. That's the only places we need to go. Yep, big <laughs> yeah. series. Only places we need to go. Have you done any have you
4: studied anywhere anything on where these train tracks lead and yeah. where are you nice. oh yeah, 100%. from
0: Indianapolis to Orlando, for instance. That's a short ride.
4: Yeah, 47. Well, that would take actually 37 (laughs) hours, 37 hour trip. But think about what we could do in that 37 hours. That's 37 hours straight, though, right? Yeah. I I mean, well, yeah.
0: First, you take a stop in stop in Shelbyville, Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Then you take a stop in Dublin, Ohio. Then you take a stop in, in Maryland. Then you take a sh- uh, stop in Virginia. Then North Carolina. Then South Carolina. Then Georgia. <laughs> then top Florida. Then I mean, you really got to work. Your- That's the issue with the trains. Top Florida. Not very efficient <laughs> but in how you get wh- to places. Wait, what you top get there. Huh?
4: What is top of Florida? <laughs> northern Jacksonville. Well, you northern Florida. get it. The top area. Like the, the northern
0: part of Florida. The top the area top of Florida. <laughs> the panhandle. You get it. And then to work all the way down, you understand. Orlando, middle of the pack there. But you still have to work your way down there. And then if we want to get to Orlando to, let's say – uh let's say uh, uh maybe new orleans or something oh. oh you're going up to alabama you're going through tennessee mm-hmm. you're coming back down maybe you're in the river there for the mississippi river for a couple <laughs> minutes mm-hmm. i mean it is not as efficient as one would think on the train that's an a to b operation literally they go straight a fuck ahead but to get to the places you need to get to boy you got to go straight in one direction a lot of different times Yeah. Oh, yeah. so it's not efficient it's what we learned
4: Well, it's good. You guys are always spitballing ideas. Hey, you got to go through a thousand bad ones to find the good one, right? Well, that was a great
0: one, too, though. That's a great idea. We still, not a single person in this office thinks it was a bad idea. If it wasn't for the trains, the way they are operated, like if we could get our own two two and just hire somebody to be our engineer and everything like that, and we didn't have to attach it to the back of other trains that are already moving. If we could do that and also create our own tracks that just go straight to where we need to go, we'd be able to do this thing, no problem. Relatively cheap, by the way, too. Oh, yeah, Amtrak. Owning owning trains, relatively cheap, but boy, Amtrak. They got you in... uh, They got a monopoly going. Nothing you can do. They're they're trying to shut down the private train travel. It's unbelievable. Trains are coming back. I hear they're making a big comeback.
4: Choo-choo.
0: We heard that, too. We were going to be the leading... We're going to corner the market on <laughs> private train travel. Yeah, so you get it, AJ. You,
4: know, you never know. It might happen.
0: I don't like the condescending attitude. right? Not at yeah. all. Yeah. This is hours of Look, brainstorming. First off,
4: my condescending attitude is not condescending. I just did it. I, I just, you know, you got to spitball ideas. So I'm just trying to pick it apart a little bit to make it as good as it possibly can be. We but already yeah. picked get it apart enough. Get a, get a big yacht and... Go from start up in like New England and just trickle all the way down to the, the southern tip of Florida or bottom Florida, as you would call it, and then maybe just continue around. Maybe go out in the Mediterranean somehow and just go around, and that's how you could spread the good word.
0: But, but we're talking about you know the pieces of America who maybe have never met somebody yeah. not from their part of town, mm-hmm. middle of America.
3: Oh, so do the rivers, do the rivers,
0: yeah. Yeah, but there's so many dead bodies in those rivers. Start, start start in
3: there's three rivers. Take your choice.
4: What do you worry? The dead body's going to float up and hurt your prop? H- hit the prop and you're going to be out of Yeah, luck? dude. Oh, I, t- I got a boat in Pittsburgh.
3: Anas- anacondas.
0: I-, I got a boat in Pittsburgh one time that had a casino in it, and they told us, by no accounts, do not jump in the water. A body was dragged out of here the other day. Yeah.
3: <laughs> there were rats the size of your head floating around the dock. Probably the drunks that been a long
4: time. I'd rather run into a dead body in a river Today than was- <laughs> an alligator. Very true. Well, then you wanted us to go down to Florida anyways. You were looking for us to die. No, on the yacht. You don't have to jump off. If yacht down week, in Florida, if, I, if, there, if there's a, a fear of sharks right there, I'm not jumping off the yacht. Listen, Yacht
0: Week is happening at the Super Bowl. Train months seems like it's probably a long shot at this <laughs> point. Uh, months, plural. <laughs> months, yeah. Because only can make it three stops <laughs> if you don't spend at least quarter of the year in there I mean mean, it's a real problem Uh, we had Ariel Helwani on the show earlier today talking about Conor McGregor's retirement he said he hates that Conor and his team use the R word retirement he said it's more so the fact that he doesn't appreciate the fact that they can't find him a fight Conor McGregor has offered up to fight, I guess, on numerous different occasions against numerous different people, and the UFC said, no, no, no. So although the narrative might be, and it seems like a lot of people think this, like, oh, Conor won't fight anybody, Conor won't do this. It's actually the complete opposite. Conor McGregor and his team are at the point where they're like, hey, we're trying to do everything right here. This guy who didn't have much money got dropped into this world where he has hundreds and and hundreds. hundreds of millions of dollars. He's made some bad decisions but he's in great shape now. He's trying to give back to his community. He's trying to be a fighter, and UFC won't give him a fight. You pair that alongside Jorge Masvidal, who has a problem with what's going on in UFC right now, and Jon Jones. It feels like the UFC might be in a little bit of a public problem here if they don't get a hold of this whole thing.
4: Well, yeah, three of their biggest stars are having issues right now and it's with their contract. And Connor's a weird one because this is his third time retiring. So it's obviously it's part of the negotiation situation with he and dana but if i'm dana white i would want connor to fight seven times a year like i'm giving him as many fights as possibly as you ever can because this guy draws bigger numbers than anyone ever has in the ufc so i think they'll find a way i think he fighting jorge masvidal would be awesome that should absolutely happen maybe that's you could knock those two guys keep them happy if you schedule a fight between them two John Jones, you just gotta pay him more money if you wanna get him back in the cage, I guess. Biggest
0: draw in UFC history, Conor McGregor, they can't find him a fight. The biggest star in UFC history, they can't find What's him a hold fight. What's
4: the holdup though? They definitely can't. What, what, the money is a holdup on who's at?
0: I think it's the UFC's plan, right? It, and I I might be wrong here. I'm only talking uh, from what I read between the lines of what Ariel said to us earlier today. It feels like they want him to have certain fights, right? Like these two will fight each other. Winner fights Conor McGregor. Conor's like, no, let us fight. And then the winner can take on that person as well. He wanted to fight three times this year. So I think it's a conflict of strategy by the UFC and Conor's team where the UFC might not want him to lose. By the way, UFC might not want Conor to lose again. I don't know if that's the case. But Jorge Masvidal has come out and said that Dana will not put me in the ring with Conor. He knows that's a bad decision. Jorge has said that, right? And then I don't know if that's Jorge trying to get that Conor McGregor fight, or that's a real thing by people who understand fighting. Like would Jorge just beat the shit out of Conor? I have no idea. I have no. I, I don't know if fighting good enough. But that feels like a fight that I would buy if Jorge Masvidal, the baddest motherfucker champion, was taking on two, Mister Two Belts, double champ. Oh yeah. Conor McGregor, that's a fight I would buy, and I would assume that's a fight that I don't know if Conor's people have said let's do it, but I'm assuming Jorge's people have said it, and I don't know why the UFC wouldn't want to happen aside from the fact that they maybe don't want Conor to lose. Other than that, I don't know why you would keep holding him back, especially if he's your biggest draw.
4: Well, couldn't they be? Couldn't Dana just be waiting, be like, "Hey, man, like, Conor, I get it. I I need you to fight. I want you to fight, but I need fans there if you're going to fight. I don't want to waste you." When I'm not going to get this huge in-person draw, all the the gate, like I know the gate is big for the UFC, when especially when Conor fights, it's going to sell out instantly. And Conor versus Masvidal would be unbelievable. Have you ever watched Masvidal's backyard fighting videos back in the day when he used to
0: fight with guys like Kimbo? Oh yeah, back in the day, watching Kimbo fight was one of the highlights of after school. When you'd get on the internet dial up internet and you'd see the Kimbo beat the shit out of somebody else and then that Backyard Fighting League thing they had going on Jorge is just a badass and I told Ben Askren I told him he was going to lose by the way that he lost I interviewed Ben Askren and I told him Ben I don't know much about the sport but if you're a wrestling guy are you ever scared of a flying knee my exact question by the way with the Ben Askren was that and he said something along the lines of uh like yeah that's always a fear or whatever his next fight Jorge Masvidal runs a knee through his face and kills him in five seconds or whatever Ugh. like that Ben Askren great interview good conversation I tried to tell him a little heads up just mm-hmm. as an outside Now granted I did guess the end of Avengers Infinity game and everything <laughs> yeah. like that oh, yeah. I mean so I have this you know I can kind of see things from an outside perspective and figure it out pretty quickly but Jorge Masvidal is just a he's awesome like, I think they should be taking advantage of him a lot more. He talks good shit. I think he believes it. He, he gave an interview, I think it was Rich Eisen or somebody else, where I think Conor McGregor was mentioned. And he talked about how when he's watching somebody fight, all he sees is numbers, basically, in holes and things of that nature. Like, listening to him talk about his strategy and his planning for fighting. I like Jorge Masvidal a lot. If Jorge and Conor McGregor were to fight, that would be awesome. But you're right. It probably is it revolves around tickets and things of that nature. Even though I think UFC is better without fans as a TV spectator. I think it's... The sound effects, I like them a lot better. I like the TV quality of it. But if you're selling out 13,000, 14,000-seat arenas, I mean, that's a lot of money to miss out. Well,
3: and part of it was for Masvidal. What uh, Hawani said earlier was that uh, Masvidal fights at 170 and Connor's best at 155, so they'd have to figure out a way to to do that.
0: It would have to be a weight, mm-hmm. okay? It would have to be a catchweight. I'll catch you in the middle there, I believe.
3: And I believe Connor said he wants to fight Gaethje, but Gaethje... Uh, it's, but they want gaethje to fight khabib first and then connor to fight the winner of that blah blah blah, blah.
4: Well, connor still needs a, his trilogy fight with nate diaz like we always thought that may be the his last fight before he like, truly retires he's got to get that's a huge money fight out there for him whenever he wants it
0: you see the shoulders i'm rolling those shoulders that post that conor mcgregor put out about whenever mm-hmm. he did that leprechaun thing with uh, before the Floyd Mayweather fight, he had that public workout and everybody was like, Floyd Maylor's hitting the back and Conor McGregor's doing this. This is why Conor McGregor's gonna get his ass kicked. Turned out, the reason why Conor McGregor lost is because 15 rounds of something is a fucking (laughs) long time. And he lasted a lot longer than anybody thought. But then he, uh, he commented about how uh, there was a thousand memes or something about this. Fast forward now, I'm a billionaire, and these same shoulders knocked a guy's eye socket in two pieces. <laughs> I, can't, I mean, that's just, you think I get, AJ, you and me tangle up, and I get you with one of those. What do you think that jaw's going to do?
4: <laughs> I mean, I think you, might, you may catch me with one. If we, if we <laughs> locked up and we were grappling, you would definitely try to throw that shoulder at me.
0: I wanna let you know that I use uh, my front shoulder to deflect your jabs and such.
4: Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah, I roll it. What, like, what about a left hook I'm throwing at you? How are you gonna deflect that
0: Bingo, much? don't worry about it. Blocked. Oh,
4: yeah. Okay. What? What? going oh. parry it what what about, what about you know what i might try i might try to attack the body if i'm
0: fighting oh body. head
3: body head, body, head oh, body a
4: lot
0: of padding here pal a lot <laughs> of padding you're coming i'm not going it. after
4: your legs like no leg kicks on you because you know you could absorb those all day
0: yeah well my shin actually rather soft i ran into <laughs> something the other day i learned how soft my shins are uh, a bunch of soft asses these shins. it took me to my knees Took me to my knees. Shin off table. Don. Man, Don the whole time. Oh boy. Oh boy. Thought I, thought I broke it in two. <laughs> thought I broke it in two. Just can't do it. AJ, I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. I've had the runs for the last three days. <laughs> it's kind of getting me right now. You try is this like your summer diet? Well, I have been dieting. Thanks for uh mentioning that. I just learned that. I eat an entire thing of pineapples on Friday. Pineapples, I guess, just make you shit in your pants. So good though. So good. Delicious. So I've been eating so healthy. Fruits, veggies, and then I get, I think, a food bacteria in my stomach that Uh just makes me shit all. I mean, it's like the world is punishing me for actually eating healthy for the first time in my life. And none of it makes any sense to me.
4: Well, if you're eating a bunch of fruit, I mean, that's like little kids. You you give a, a little kid some apple juice and it's not watered down. He's going to dump his pants for 12 <laughs> hours.
0: I followed up after my first round of Dumpy McGrumperson morning mm-hmm. with an entire thing of applesauce because I was told that the applesauce <laughs> helps out the whole thing.
4: Oh, uh, no. Who, who let you... Internet. My
0: fiance and I did some research on the internet. Bananas and applesauce is what I was told is <laughs> huh. supposed to help. And then I drank an entire thing of Pepto Bismol. Great taste, yeah, by the way. Oh, oh yeah, bubble oh,
3: gum. gum,
0: oh yeah, it's good.
3: Do You
4: like it though? Do you like? Do you do, do you feel lighter? I woke up this morning with a four
0: pack.
3: That boy, wow.
1: wow,
0: you know what I mean?
4: Show,
3: Show the people.
0: Nah, it's not there anymore. I drank. I've drank seven things that led to death. I've morning, had some buddy, tea. I'll take a lighter. picture of the next time it happens, More- though.
4: Is that a thing, Diggs? Morning body? Yeah.
0: Of course, oh, your morning yeah. body's the best because gravity hasn't had a chance to say fuck you yet. Yeah. That's
3: true. And you haven't put anything in there for eight, nine hours. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and gravity's pulling you, you're you're at your freshest, you're at your best. You look in the mirror in the morning, you're like, Okay. Two different people. You're told me. The then you go to work, you come home at night, it's like the f- is gravity that strong? No is my gut just getting sucked down the entire time you probably have never had to deal with this because (laughs) of your incredible fitness uh ability but
4: i never really thought about that like the morning body thing i guess i don't i don't wake up and look at myself though either I, i judge myself if i were you i
0: would by the way if i was aj hawk i would try to look at myself as much as possible just something to think about Nah. nah do you have mirrors in your house
4: yeah we got mirrors i mean i just just keep it moving like if you get up and go whatever you're doing just I don't just stand there and pause and just stare at the mirror.
3: See, I, I wake up every morning, look in the mirror, fat shame myself. It motivates myself for the day.
4: See, I wake I, up every morning. Does it put you on a, a good path or does it does it put you in the dumps? Because some people can can do that and they already have like a negative mindset because of it and it really derails their whole day.
0: Diggs has a negative mindset, I believe, if I had to guess. Just from knowing Diggs, I would assume that it doesn't send him on a good journey throughout his day i would assume that what do you
4: mean he's got his best bod ever right now right the wedding body he does mm-hmm. look very good yeah. especially oh, in the yeah. mornings
0: he looks even better i mean there's no reason for him to be as mean Just to himself. get married
4: Diggs. i think you should get married at 7 30 a.m
3: that'd be ideal honestly that'd be ideal
4: shirtless or with a zeke cut your suit off into the zeke deal he's with your stomach out.
3: probably gonna do that well i got the lawnmower to- hey. oh
4: pat good news I know you have no idea. I got an invitation to your wedding.
3: Hey!
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, you're getting married. Believe it or not, yours was on the top of the pile because uh, the A
4: for AJ Hawk. You go by. You guys do alphabetical from the first name, not the last name. I By the
0: way, although I did have a lot to do with it, a lot to do with it, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Did you open that? It's a very beautiful yeah, invitation. Awesome. Okay. I, I,
4: I doubt you've seen it, but your invitation's legit. Like, you can tell, like, this is a big money dude getting married.
0: I have <laughs> seen it. I have seen it. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I have said, yeah, that's great to everything that went out. You got,
4: a, you got, like, the seal, like the Pope who used this ring to seal
3: in the wax. Yeah, that was you very hard to open. There. It was good. very hard to open.
0: Well, you got to get your... Where'd you get all any? those stamps from? Uh, the, by the way, that's the old school way, all those stamps. It's the old school, so there's six stamps oh, on the nature. That yeah, awesome. there's there's a lot of things on there that you guys just I felt don't like a
2: detective <laughs> opening up a manila
4: folder for an old cold case file going through everything.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, there's oh a lot my. to do there you obviously got to rehearsal the night before yeah. the luau, yeah. well, well, I, mean, my, luau. I, I really thought you, I was like All right, Pat handpicked this part of the invitation yeah. Thank you Foxy. This part of the invi- I thought you did really Thank good Thank you Foxy, I did do great yes. and there was maybe a part in there I did do that but it was a lot of <laughs> Sam's work a lot of Sam's work She, they she are beautiful this whole wedding planning thing has been a nightmare for her, if I had to guess. But it's gonna work out just as good as the invitation. And you were invited, see? See? Yeah, take
4: that. Thank you, I appreciate it.
0: What was that, last week he was being dramatic about it? it yeah. You mm-hmm. are tra- yeah. yeah. uh, being a bit dramatic last week, Old okay? You might not look age, in the mirror in the morning, but you're being, if you were, you'd look at a dramatic man <laughs> about wedding invitations in the morning.
4: So am I supposed to send a gift if I don't come?
0: Bingo, that's the show. Need a gift. Need a gift.
3: <laughs>
4: you said to cut it off because you're gonna dump your pants.
0: I do have to dump my pants, and also I have you on record saying you'll give us a gift. It's McAfee and Hulk. It's
1: McAfee and Hulk. Sports AJ used to tackle quarterbacks. A rust kind of guy That's the butter of the ticket For the twenty ten. Kicking piss missiles to the sky It's McAfee and
0: hawk It's McAfee and Hulk Sports Talk It's McAfee and Hulk Sports Tonight, when you pass out If you don't fall asleep easy Like me, for instance There is a company out here that is creating something that puts you out like a light. Like a light. Like a light. CBDMD, CBDPM is a game changer for those who are a little restless at night. People say you can't put a good price on good night's sleep, but those people are wrong. CBDMD did it with CBDPM and now they're doing it again with a brand new way to put you out like a light. Zito's taking his CBD PM home right now, and it's actually the CBD PM soft gels, which are a quick and convenient way to get the deeper sleep you deserve. These soft gels contain the same award-winning formula as CBD PM, giving you all the CBD, melatonin, and chamomile you're used to in a powerful pre-measured Capsule, And to make trying CBDMD for yourself even easier, they're offering listeners of this show 25% off your next order when you use the code McAfee at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code McAfee, M-C-A-F-E-E, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. I'm not a good sleeper. That concoction that they put together of CBD and melatonin and chamomile is a game changer. Take it about 30 minutes before you want to pass out. Bingo, bango, gonzo, you're gone. Joining us right now is a man uh, who was a teammate of mine. He was a second round draft pick for the Patriots? Yep. Second round draft pick for the New England Patriots. Then he came to the Colts. The dude played corner, he played safety. Every team meeting I was in, he was the smartest dude in there when it came to ball. And watching him grow off the field as a business entrepreneur, in a uh, media personality, everything DB host, ladies and gentlemen, Darius Butler. Yeah, Darius! a boy, D-Butt!
1: Appreciate you for having me again,
0: Pat, man. Thanks for coming on. Every time we talk, I enjoy the hell out of it. Right now, uh, the world is in an interesting place. And you were one of the leaders on the Indianapolis Colts whenever it came to the discussion about these things. I mean, I learned a lot from you. I learned a lot from a lot of other guys in the locker room. And that was my entire take yesterday about Drew Brees is it was like, hey, when the kneeling thing happened and the world was getting split up about it and there was a lot of drama being targeted into the NFL locker rooms, the conversations that were happening in there were so deep. They're eye-opening. They were insightful. I think a lot of guys who are maybe upset about the potential protest being against the military in America, they're hearing stories and they're like, oh, damn, okay, we're with you. And it it was interesting listening to you speak because your dad, very accomplished member of the military. So, I I mean, this is something that hits home with you pretty strong. What are your thoughts right now on how the Saints are going to have to educate Drew, hopefully, re-educate him or learn him up or come together as a team? What do you think about how the nfl is right now especially with drew Brees potentially being the face of what needs to be learned in america a little bit more
1: yeah uh that that was i mean it caught me it caught me i wouldn't say it necessarily caught me off guard the only thing that caught me off guard about drew Brees' comments was um just him saying in this climate because um if you go back to you know 2016 17 um you know that was pretty much a lot of people said similar things it's just a different climate like i think everybody's eyes are open a little more this time around so it surprised me him um you know as aware as he is on the field for him to kind of lack that awareness um you know when this question was tossed to him so on uh, but i think it was important that that it happened and, and more people have more uncomfortable conversations and um i just think when the narrative shifts it's uh it, it it, it takes away, you know, it takes away from what people are really talking about, what people are really protesting. I feel like Drew and others should and, and do understand that. And I, and, I, and it's hard for me to give him a pass, honestly, because, um, you know, like I said, we had those tough conversations. We were in those locker rooms together. And I remember specifically, we actually in 2017, um, after we kneeled, Uh, we had a conversation amongst the leadership uh, committee, uh, coaches, front office, et cetera, and just kind of talking back and forth. And I remember after, and we kind of put some initiatives in place, which was basically kind of, um, you know, okay, we're going to do this, but you guys are going to stop kneeling, right? That was kind of the compromise. And and I remember leaving that meeting, and uh, Adam Vinatieri, um, he called me, and uh, and, you know, Adam Vinatieri, you know, obviously in his 40s, a white guy, white male in America, obviously privileged, you know, and he's, you know, America, you know, everything that America stands for. Like he called me, he's like, Hey man, I don't want you to feel like, you know, you're selling yourself out or you're selling um, your people out or anything like that. I want you to do what you feel is right. Um, you know, I support you all the way. So it's not like I can look at Drew or anybody in that position and be like, Oh, he doesn't understand. Cause if Trevor Lawrence gets it, if Joe Burrow gets it, if Carson Wentz gets it, like I can't give uh, you know, Drew Brees that pass.
0: Vinatieri's brother, a member of the special forces, I believe, in the military as well, from South Dakota. I'm not sure what the African American population percentage is <laughs> in South
1: Dakota. <laughs> It can't be that much higher than
0: North Dakota. <laughs> but I do believe that's why the locker room is such a sacred place, though, because you have people from all over coming together and learning about each other and learning stories and things of that nature. And I yeah. think I think whenever the word white privilege is stated, right, I think there's always been the spin. It's like, hey, white privilege means you come from a lot of money. White privilege means and it's not necessarily that's what that means, right? Because I didn't come no. from a lot of money. I did not come from a lot of money I had to work my ass off to get where I'm at but there was other aspects of life that I never had to experience Alvin Kamara released a tweet last night about things that have happened to him because of how he looks in banks and other things of that nature and how he's accomplished and I think that is almost the thing that I learned most about in that locker room during the kneeling protest. it was like yeah police injustice is obviously a problem I mean that is something yeah. that if somebody's gonna abuse their their power that is going to be a problem, especially whenever it seems to be preying on neighborhoods of Keller more often than not. But also talking about the day to day, and I think that's the things that maybe uh, a large majority of the white population, who's maybe never encountered or uh, interacted with somebody from a neighborhood that is vastly different than their own, doesn't really understand. I asked yeah. you, I asked you last night. I was like, hey, this Alvin Kamara situation. Would you mind telling uh, one or two of those types of things that white people might never think about? Like, hey, my, my might never even think about like how the world is a much different one if you are darker complected.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just a different, it's a different, um, it's literally, it's two Americas, honestly, and uh, it, it's really as simple as that. And, uh, you know, if we're being honest, you know, when this country was built, it was really built, uh, it was really built for white people. You know, there were certain laws and certain things that were said in, 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 in documents, but, you know, at the time they were put out, you know we had slaves at, at times so you, you know liberty and freedom and you know all that stuff um didn't apply to everyone and um even though the things in the letter of the law has changed um how it's enforced a lot of it is still the same and, and when you told me when you showed me the uh, Kamara, and i'm like oh man like i got you know tons of stories like that and it's not like um uh i think i heard uh, Joe Stasniak or something like that say something. Talk, he had some comments that really pissed me off, just saying, you know, keep yourself out of situations where police are called, et cetera, et cetera. But it's literally like I've been like, so my early in my career, I was living in a spot in uh, Ball Harbor, which is a super nice area of, um, of uh, Miami. And, um, you know, that's where I was staying off season. And I would go out to my workout like seven in the morning, And me and my my boy, uh, we're leaving 7 in the morning, coming out of the complex, like a little boutique condo, and it's probably like eight units. So we're coming out. You know certain places where it's just like in your neighborhood, you just know it's certain stop signs that you just kind of breeze through because you know nobody's going to be moving at that time in the morning. So kind of, and I mean like two, three cars come, a car and a motorcycle come out. Hey, this, that, and the third. Take me out of my car. Ask me, can can they search the car? I tell them no. He throws his canine in the car has I, I'm giving him kind of back and forth then I tell him you know uh you know he kind of finds out who we are we're both NFL players my dad works in law enforcement in the next county over and then it was a completely different um tone it was a completely different interaction and there's tons of those i have been pulled over for i mean exchanging my child I, I was I met um you know my daughter's mother one time and we had a meeting place basically and we and I was set I was basically there 20 minutes before her so I'm sitting there waiting exchange my kid. I pull off go one way she goes the other way. We both get pulled over. It's taken out of the car, they try to tell me sit on the ground. It, it's just it's just so many instances and then you know as a as an adult, as a grown man, as a professional like you're interacting. I've been with white, I've been with white guys we you know been in the car, and they get pulled over and it's a complete different re- interaction. It's like yo, what what like what the hell are you pulling me over for, man? I'm over here I'm doing on this feeling really like I pay taxes I pay I get out of my face. And it's like, "Whoa," like you can talk to please you are being (laughs) awfully aggressive relax put your hands up relax lower your toilet and it's like and it's a privilege to not even have to um, because I've had to have tough conversations with my children like hey this is you know this is things you have to do this this is why things happen this is why the condition that you know we're in as a community and you know if i'm a white guy i don't even have to have those conversations you know it's a privilege to just say hey you know i'm not even gonna put this on let's you know throw this on let's not even be aware of what's going on in the world but uh you know my my kids are are, are well aware of what's going on in the world and that that itself is is a privilege
0: Darius, so we got to get to a break for radio will you hold on like yep. four seconds for you will continue on youtube in like five seconds all
1: right for sure
0: uh let's just wait it out you're listening to the pat Magda show friday june 5th <laughs>
1: June 5th. Hey, (laughs) it's
0: flying right now, Darius.
1: Well, we're only at halftime. (laughs) halftime, All right, here we go.
0: We're back. Um, So, those types (laughs) of conversations that you're having with your, by the way, beautiful children, How, how many? You have four, I think four. Five girls. Five girls. I'm Ooh. sorry. Five girls. Yeah. He's yeah. got a whole lineup by the he's got a whole wow. basketball lineup down there. Dad of the year too, all off season. It's a it was awesome <laughs> to follow you every single off season with your kids. But when you have those conversations, you just have to tell them like, hey, sometimes or not all the time, you have to be careful of how you could potentially because this is something I was told by a teammate of mine. I forget who it was. It might have been Eric Walden. It might have been Ewald, to be honest with you. And Ewald was... We were just having a conversation, I think, in... I don't know what state of mind we we're in, but we we're having a conversation, <laughs> and uh, he was like, "You don't even have to worry about potentially being intimidating to somebody walking down the street." He was like, "Just like if you and me were to walk down the street right now, I- I'd walk behind you, you walk behind me. There would be people who just inherently would look at me and automatically get defensive, just strictly by how I look." He's a guy who had dreads, he was tall, and things yep. of that nature.
1: Big tattoos.
0: Yes, and I think that is that was something I didn't really realize either. It was like every single day, literally, if if you're trying to make your life better than it's ever been which is supposed yep. to be the american dream you're trying to make it a lot of the times when you end up in spots where you have to get to to keep going you're going to get your every single day is just going to be much different than anybody could ever imagine
1: it, 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 i mean literally i had an example yesterday i'm so i'm in uh, i'm in canton georgia right now which is kind of on the out like a suburb outside of atlanta uh, my brother just bought a home and I'm I'm in his neighborhood, and uh, we were driving around last night. It was probably about 9, 10 at night, and um, we 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 were he was like, hey, let me show you this house because I'm looking at his backyard and his it's a little different than another one in the neighborhood. And he's like, oh, remember what we were talking about earlier? I'm gonna show you this house. It's almost done. Like, let's go check out the backyard. So you know, kind of you know, obviously what on the hills of what happened to Mar and I don't even know how far we are away from that, but the, even the roads look similar. He pulls over and he's like, hey, let's go. You know, check. I'm like. Hell no, I'm straight, bro. Like, <laughs> you, we can check this out tomorrow when it's when it's light out. When it's like, I'm I'm cool, bro. Like, just because you know, neighbors look out the window and they see three black guys getting out of a truck, pulling like you you like those um those those whatever inherent fears you may they may have um that you walk around with that and it's kind of it's, it's it's heaven. That's that's what that's what you experience, you know. If you Growing up in a black community is one thing because everybody looks the same. You know, your interactions with white people, honestly, are only really in schools, um, police or other instances. And then so when I was growing up, we didn't have I think what will help now is with the youth and as the younger we get, we see each other more. So. We see each other just living, just being normal humans every day. Like you said, you, you see me and my kids, you see, the, you see those interactions. So now you don't just have to depend on other people telling you, you know, what black people are, what white people are, what Mexicans are, what Asians are like. You see them like I know these people. And, and then we have the extra advantage of being in the locker room so we can really have conversations, really know ins and outs of people. So I think that helps. And that'll kind of cut that divide. But um it, 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 it's, 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 it's really it's really different. And like you said, as you go up and you start living the American dream and you go to a nice neighborhoods. So my 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 children have been in predominantly white schools. You know, they went to school in Indiana, they went to school in Florida in and, and both neighborhoods. They were, you know, probably less than a handful of black kids in their class. So even certain ways they would have to do they would do the hair that would get picked on or you know, you've seen I don't know if you remember that kid who was wrestling one time and he was in the tournament and like before a match, he had to cut his dreads oh, to continue yeah. in a match. Like yeah. those things don't really, ha- you know, just, just living in that. And it's just, um, I mean, it's tough, but, uh, I think, I definitely think we're getting better. And, uh, it's obviously super, super, super unfortunate. That George Floyd, um, lost his life. But a uh, young lady that recorded it, I'm glad she was there to record it, and and I think it's uh, it's really going to spark spark some change in this in this country in this world.
0: It was eye opening, I think, to a lot of people that were deciding to not look at things that were being shown to them before. Honestly, yeah, I think it's because of the quarantine. I think it's because we all have been through so much shit, basically, right? Yeah. I, I think for the first time in a long time, a lot of people were experiencing life in a much different fashion than they had before because they were being told to stay confined in their homes. And I think it kind of, I don't want to say it maybe. Grew a little empathy for other humans, but I feel like there was a little bit and then when the George Floyd video came out of him being It was like the first time in a long time. I feel like damn There's a real momentum swing behind it, and I hope we just can continue to ride that damn thing Darius
1: Yeah, hey man, I'm I'm with you man and 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 we we've we've had uh, I've had more conversations this week or you know this last week and a half with people on um, black and non-blacks about you know what where we're going and what's happening and, and 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 uh what you know the type of things that need to change i think it starts with the conversation and it's followed by actions even with the you know the large um uh companies and you know people in in positions of power you using your your platform i told you i reached out to you early this week like hey man thank you man, i appreciate you using your platform for what you're doing and others man so it's amazing i hope we just really start having that conversation and really come together and, uh, and eventually, hopefully, it's my kids. It won't happen overnight, but my kids or their kids, you know, eventually we're all living in the same America.
0: It's going to take time. I, I think this is yeah. something that's going to take time because it's going to be hard to change people that are 100% set in their ways, but I think people that were just like kind of set in their ways are starting to become a little bit more awake to things. And I think once that, it's going to take a little bit. I I, I I don't think any, oh, for sure. I don't think anybody's I mean, thinking that this could potentially happen overnight, but I do believe that there's a wave of like going forward we're going to be in a good spot. do you know and I asked you this last night and you said you you try not to dive into the laws and politics of things or anything of that nature I've seen this this 50a repeal, which is a law, I guess that hides cops um, like police in like it hides their record from the public so no other cops know that like for instance, Dave Chauvin had 18. Wow police misconduct charges before he murdered george floyd but i guess there's a a law instituted that basically covers that up so nobody can know that he had 17 or 18 things of that nature and then there's some other stuff is there anything you know of that people that are maybe just coming awake to this entire thing what they can make noise about or what they can raise a little bit of hell about to try to change so we can really try to expedite this whole process of maybe making not tearing down a community by the way it's about building up another one and and, and i think that's that is the biggest thing. Is there anything you know of that people can potentially try to make a noise about?
1: Yeah, well, you know, first and foremost, um, you know, it, it's not an attack on the police force or the police, you know, we all know great policemen. I know a ton of them. I have uh, law enforcement in my family and I know if, 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 if shit breaks loose, 911 you know one of the first numbers I'm calling. <laughs> so it's not like all police are bad, but um, when, you, when you get a, a situation where you have police policing the police, it's an issue. It would be like in football if I say, Hey, uh, Chuck Pagano, do you think that was a pass interference on your guy or nah? He's like, no, uh, nah probably not. <laughs> you know, that's, so that's probably that's like the situation that we're in when these when these cases come across, you know, the, the, the unions it's 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 really, really, really hard to get fired or reprimanded as a police officer because of the strength of these unions, the fraternal order polices. Like that 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 I think it needs to be some independent Uh, People that come in and kind of take over these cases and say, "Okay, this get all the evidence, say this is what happens, because the way it is now is not going to change. Now, if a guy starts getting 20, 25 years or start getting the same sentences that a civilian would get, like if that was George Floyd's knee on Chauvin's neck like Floyd would have been arrested immediately. You would have been, you know, having the charges immediately. like it wouldn't been no no protests would have had the, the the country or the world wouldn't have had to be protesting rights for all these four officers to be charged. Like it would have just happened. So I think it should be uh, you know, similar when it comes to police and and trust me, they they have tough jobs. Like tough, you know, tough ass jobs. So uh, where I think most people are aware of that, but at the same time, um, uh, you know, you guys are they're trained uh you know and, and that's the job you sign up for so i think you know you have to attack that job with some responsibility
0: i appreciate you so much man always enjoy man, a conversation thanks. with you now granted. You had slightly worse hands than I did, but you are an incredible football player. It's
1: debatable. It's debatable. It's
0: not debatable. These
1: hands. It's debatable.
0: These hands, <laughs> man. You,
1: you were up there though. You were top five. I give you top five. Mm, that means wow. you were six. That's a shame you were not top five. <laughs> uh, it's a shame. I, I get it. You had the best hands for a white guy on our team. Thank right? you. Wow. Big Nipsey. We had we had T. Y. Hilton. Oh no, we had Jack Doyle too. Sorry. You're number two. Oh, <laughs> damn it!
0: For God. <laughs> I still think I got Jack And you And T.Y. can get it too and I'll tell you what I only had gloves on one hand You know if I, gloves on, if I had gloves on both I'm not 100% sure What I would have been able to do
1: That's a fact Gotta get all the facts
0: See the, fact. the issue is I didn't move much When I had to catch a ball So I think I didn't True. I didn't get a chance To really showcase You know Moving and catching Because I'm sure I wouldn't have been Absolutely terrible at that I'm sure
1: Speaking of movie, I still think about that that pass you through a Dewey. and Dewey McDonald Dallas? That, that just pissed me off. I don't know why I just thought about that.
0: Well, you guys had to go on the Dang field it. on your own 18.
1: With- yeah, we I mean, <laughs> ended up getting blown out. That's probably why.
0: Ladies and gentlemen. Memories. Hey, great talk today. I appreciate the hell out of you. People are gonna for learn sure, some man.
1: stuff from this. Thanks for having me, bro. And hey,
0: no problem. Don't be hey. Not yet, but hopefully, like, in a couple months from now, you'll be able to run through your brother's neighborhood there, not even thinking about <laughs> it.
1: Hey, up. man. Hopefully. I, I'll, I'll keep you updated. <laughs> <laughs> Darius Butler. Yeah! Hey, right. Darius. Darius. Woo!
0: Did you know that America's original butcher, Omaha Steaks, has done it again? Omaha Steaks are 100% American grain-finished beef naturally aged at least 21 days for the ultimate in tenderness, juiciness, and flavor. Omaha Steaks offers a variety of options. Everyone loves steaks, chicken, pork, burgers, easy-to-make meals, desserts, and more. Omaha Steaks are the perfect Father's Day gift because Dad wants steak, not another lame gift card or a tie or something (laughs) dumb. Does dad want another dog? Because dad could potentially get a corgi as well named Chuck. But now that we're on the topic of gifts for Father's Day, you have to do steaks from Omaha steaks. If you're looking for the perfect Father's Day gift, Omaha steaks can help because we all know that dad wants some delicious meat. For a limited time, you can find a variety of packages filled with naturally-aged, hand-carved, richly-marbled Omaha Steaks, and more. Perfect for Dad's special day. That's the world's greatest steaks, plus premium meats, easy meals, and so much more. Ready to ship in all backs by a 100% money-back guarantee. Make Father's Day simple this year. Send Dad the gift he really wants. That's Omaha Steaks. Go to omahasteaks.com and type Pat in the search bar to shop for Father's Day today. That's omahasteaks.com and type Pat in the search bar. 21 days, age to perfection. Ooh. America's original butcher since 1917. They've been doing it right for a long, long time. Let them do it right for your dad for this Father's Day. and Also, take advantage of all the packages they got going on. Right now, listeners of this show get a variety of amazing packages. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type Pat in the search bar, you'll see all the great options available, many that include free shipping and a free one-pound package of their perfectly cured, incredibly thick, applewood-smoked steak-cut bacon. Are you kidding me? omahasteaks.com, type Pat in the search bar. Have the greatest Father's Day of all time. Let's get back to the show. Joining us now is a two-time Two-time Super Bowl champion, ladies and gentlemen, Ike Taylor. Hey! Where the hell are you, Ike?
5: Are you in the Man, I, woods? Listen, listen, I'm I'm, I'm in my Geek Rodge.
0: Look in what your, I got going on in my Geek In your Oh my God, what is Whoa. going on?
5: I got, hey, 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 give me give me one second, I gotta hit that bell. Hold on, P-Mac. You got it. One second, let me hit that bell for
0: him. Hey, you do what you gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. So he is running a fitness workout out of the did he say gee Yep. Yeah.
1: See,
5: man. What
0: do you got an orange theory operation going out of your G over there, right?
5: Man, I got I got this quarantine workout going on. They call me neighborhood around. <laughs> real
0: (laughs) (laughs) how long are the rounds what are you gonna have to go back and reset that bell for them
5: man you don't need one though man shout out to uh well, I'm sorry, R.I.P. George Floyd, man. We're doing eight minutes and 46 seconds. Oh, okay. And we got step rounds.
0: Okay, let's talk about this. Roger Goodell, did you ever expect to hear the NFL come out with the statement that they came out on Friday admitting that they were wrong with the way this whole thing was handled years ago and everything of that nature? Did you ever expect that from Roger Goodell? I didn't, I was very surprised by it.
5: No, I wasn't surprised. Um, I mean, that's what that's what expected. You know what I'm saying? It's just you got to get to this point and you knew it never was about the flag at the time. And now you're trying to apologize. Like Colin Kaepernick, he was trying to say the whole time, like, man, this ain't about the flag. You know, I ain't never trying to disrespect the flag. I'm just trying to bring some awareness to police brutality against blacks and minorities. That's all I'm trying to do. And, uh, I'm not saying they took it for granted, but every time somebody want to talk about B, we always find a way to talk about A and C because it's an uncomfortable situation for everybody. But now it's, it's a situation we gotta talk about, we gotta talk about, and we talking about that right now. I would say
0: this, Ike, and I might be wrong for saying this. I,
5: uh-huh. think,
0: I think Roger Goodell admitting he was wrong is potentially going to give a lot of other people who feel the same exact way that Roger Goodell felt before gives them something to be like, you know what, maybe I was wrong as well. Now, I think, is the time to educate, right? Like, I think we're on the the almost the, the blip. I don't know if it's blip. No, whatever you're... The brink. Go, keep
3: going. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's go. Hey, let's go. Let's go. Oh. Let's go. Oh. Let's go. Don't get... Hey, get your lazy asses going in there!
5: <laughs> Sorry, I love I, it. I, I love it. I need all. I wish you was here.
0: Uh, I'm happy I'm not. By the way, it looks like it is a uh, a dreaded workout, but. I think we're on the brink of those conversations really resonating. And I think the fact that Goodell and the NFL said, hey, I was wrong before. Now, granted, they are late, obviously. And a lot of Drew Brees, obviously, was another person who was in those conversations in the locker room and still said, whoa, the military and all that stuff. And then he obviously, a lot of things happened to him. I think we're at the point, though, where even if these people are late to the party, I think it's a good thing. Like, let's keep it going. You know what I mean? I feel like we're on that brink of like, hey, let's go. Let's get this thing going. And I think people who have been wrong for a long time. We need to get them right. Do you not think that is accurate?
5: No, I agree. I agree with you 100%. It's just, you know, it's after the fact. Like, you knew the whole time, and we knew the whole time, it was never about disrespecting the flag. We all knew that. But it's just, man, it was scary, and it was a touchy subject. And like I said before, man, usually when it's a touchy, Subject or uncomfortable conversation man people don't really want to talk about it now What I do like about Roger Goodell that he did apologize So I'm, I'm going to accept that and I'm sure the players going to accept that as well That's the first step of getting to where we need to get is having an apology and you had an apology by the head man So you're right. We are moving in the right direction Um, But I love these young Millennials, you know, these young Millennials now these days P Mac they're fearless hey
3: it's savages fearless.
5: dude they're, they're tired they tired of the talking they want to see action done And on um, what i'm liking is man all creeds and colors are coming together even though this is about black lives you know you, you see a lot of caucasians and just people from different ethnics they're starting to educate themselves about black history and what we had to go through so like i say, man i think once the nfl is moving in the right right direction But at the same time, I feel like these young millennials, man, they educate themselves way to a higher standard.
0: I think the younger generations just know so much more about everything. And, And a lot of people try to pass it off as being, oh, you're woke, you're woke. It's like, no, I've just had the opportunity to have something in my pocket, okay, that has the ability to search the answers to literally Everything on Earth. I I think that is just such a powerful weapon that people don't understand. Is the power of information and education and knowledge is something that can really, you know, turn turn the corner on some things. And I think that is what's happening in our world right now. It's beautiful. It is actually beautiful to see everybody potentially coming together for the right thing to lift up a community. I honestly. I, I, last week was uncomfortable, I think for everybody, but for right. any change, it has to be uncomfortable. And I think now we're potentially getting to the point where we're gonna see, hopefully, the benefits of the uncomfortable. Hopefully we'll be able to see a little bit better, more together community.
5: Well, we criticize this millennial, this young generation for on being on their phones too much, not having enough outdoor activity. That's where they're learning all this new information from, you know? They dropping the books. They picking up YouTube's. They they dropping Shut the books. Up. They picking up iClouds, read clouds. So this young generation, it's it's a gift. If it's a gift and a curse in the older generation, like you and I, eyes is like, man, we grew up. We had to stay outside. Mom ain't tell us to come back in until the lights came on in the street. But they're learning so much more information being on their phones and getting well educated. They soaking everything up like a sponge.
0: It's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful time to be alive. I think it's been uncomfortable. Twenty twenty has been a year that a lot of people have dreaded, but I think on the other side of it, it's gonna be a beautiful thing. Let's talk about the other side of it a little bit. If we do come together and hopefully good things happen. We looked up, it said you ran a four one eight forty. What does that even mean? No. Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even is that a rolling start?
5: How does that even nah, it's 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 four two seven. Four two seven okay. was my fastest forty. Four one eight is inaccurate. Four two seven was, but it, it was a it was a hand clock, so you never know who actually clocked that when I ran it. But it was a four two seven for me. You know, some people were saying that, but man, it was four two seven. I ain't gonna go with the four one
0: eight. <laughs> hey, four two seven is moving,
5: Ike. Oh yeah, look, look, P Mac, I'm still moving, baby. <laughs> <laughs> <P-M-O>. <laughs> Pinot, man. It's the reason why they call me Pinot Cab, Red Zinfandel. Man, I'm just aging just like Fine Wire. <laughs> <laughs> Is
0: that what they're looking for in your girage? A little fountain of youth over there? Is that what you got going that's on? What,
5: that's what, you know what? You're right. And I'm, that's what I'm going to name it, the fountain of youth. But for now, we're going to call what? it the garage, not the garage. <laughs>
0: What are the workouts you got over there? Is it uh, body plank? Because I see you and James Harrison, uh, we're going back and forth with workout videos.
5: All right, all, right, all right, I'm gonna show you. Come on, ladies, get to work.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> so it's a lot of it's a lot of body weight. Now okay. Don't look back. Come on, get to work. It's a lot. It's a it's a lot of body weight I got going on. Hey, uh, that's what Troy Polamalu,
0: didn't Troy Polamalu do a lot of body weight? Didn't, what, didn't he have like some very weird style of working out that everybody judged him for, but he was an absolute monster?
5: Matter of fact, man, I had an hour, I had like an hour, close to a two-hour conversation with TP about what's going on in this world today. And uh, both of us kind of walked out with tears, you know, talking about what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, Troy's Troy perspective is one of a kind. <laughs> like I, I, I wish you would get him on it's it's one of a kind. So just hearing his thoughts. Now I don't want to share his thoughts. I'd rather him come on your show or come on mine for him to share his thoughts. You but yeah, yeah. T P perspective, you think it's right, it's all the way left but it makes a lot of sense. And what I did not know and I found out yesterday that Troy went to he's a historian. So this is this is this is this is, this is he went to college for history. This is what he do. So he's breaking everything down to the TP Mac, and I'm like, bro, I've been knowing you for damn near twenty years, and you ain't even tell me your major was a history major. <laughs> he was like, well, you ain't never asked. I'm like, man, screw you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you ask him about why? he did what he did to me like just to get a final closure answer did that come up in the car i mean very serious conversation obviously but
5: he said he he ain't mean to he's sorry okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey that's what Goodell said too let's hope that they're both being accurate in that (laughs) uh ike i appreciate you so much for taking time with us today man i love talking
5: to you man i love talking to you bro pleasure being on your show fellas y'all have a good one
0: hold on Diggs has one before you get back to that workout
3: i had a question because this is also a rumor too like your 418 did you did the coach see you playing flag football and then recruited you to, to the football team is that how you started playing football
5: yes yes you're you're at, you're, In at college? you're absolutely right well i was playing intramural football flag football and we was one win away from going to hawaii for the national championship but everybody just kept like everybody kept coming to our games intramural games like the whole the whole college just kept coming to our games it was the 504 boys the whole college <laughs> kept, was like one game they was like man y'all gotta go check these dudes out then the next game you have like a thousand people then the next game it was like two thousand like dang we we get more attention than <laughs> the regular football team <laughs> but for real so it was just it was a good vibe though it was a good vibe And then I wound up just walking on my junior year. So I walked on my junior year, played running back my junior year. Coach gave me Coach Baldwin. He gave me a scholarship my senior year. That's when I transferred over to cornerback, and I took off ever since.
0: Why'd you go to corner?
5: Man, Coach Garrett Bartell. Man, Garrett Garrett Bartell, he's from the deep, 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 deep south of Texas. He was like, say I. He said, "Look, Ike, I know you want to play running back, Ike, but I'll guarantee you if you move on side over with Charles Peanut Tillman, you might give yourself a chance in the shot. You're big, you're fast, you're strong, you got the ability, you can move laterally. I'm telling you, and you don't mind hit, I'm telling you, Ike, you call me Ike, not not Ike, but Ike. I'm you, Ike. If you just transfer over, you're going to give yourself a chance. Watch what I'm telling you. Gar Lee got don't get on me." I said, yes, sir. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Hey, well,
0: that Southern gentleman was 100% accurate. You go on to win two Super Bowls, run a 4 2 7. Ladies and gentlemen, friend of the show, in the G Raj, Ike Taylor. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Back to work, ladies. Back to work, ladies. I'm about to, hey, I'm about to, I'm about to put that work on them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, they got comfortable. Coach wasn't around. They got comfortable. Got to get it back in there.
5: They got too comfortable. P Mac, I appreciate you. Thanks for me inviting on your show. Y'all boys have a good day.
0: Hey, thank you. I can <laughs> What a legend, dude. Absolute legend of a man. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show. I know you have options, upon options, upon options of things that can penetrate your ear holes, and the fact that you listen to this show, we are eternally grateful for. Once again, if you like the show, please tell your friend, please. And if not, just act like it never happened. Ty Schmidt, we'll see you on Thursday. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.